0: That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch a prison for your mind unfortunately no one can be told what the matrix is you have to see it for yourself you take the blue pill the story ends you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe you take the red pill you stay in wonderland And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.
1: Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand
2: Haddad.
3: Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicate. I'm your host, Armand Haddad. Today we are exploring the franchise of The Matrix, from the first film to Resurrections. Before we all see how far the rabbit hole goes, I have a few special guests joining me today. The first is a local designer here in Chicago, Diego. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Glad I'm glad that you're here. Thank you so much for coming. And the second is a longtime guest and local creative, Josh. Welcome back. Thanks for having me again. Yes, thank you so much for coming. And the third is a freelance photographer, Peter. Armon. thanks for having me back. Yes. Can't wait. Oh my God, this is amazing. And the last is a brand new voice and film enthusiast, Kevin. Welcome to Syndicate. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I'm glad that you're here. So let's get into it. So before we dive into Resurrections and the other subsequent sequels, let's talk about the first film. Let's all talk about how we first encountered the film, The Matrix. Diego, I'm going to start with you. Uh, sure. So when I
4: was a kid, um, I recall um, watching on TV, um, Keanu Reeves have this mechanical thing put into his belly button. And I said, yeah, that movie's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so years later, I find out it's The Matrix, but still like never really Uh, gave it a listen and so you know Armand hit me up being like hey you want to talk about the matrix and I'm like yeah let me let me go watch them all real quick (laughs) so I did so uh, yeah that's kind of my run-in with the matrix and how uh, and why I'm here
3: very nice Josh how did you encounter the matrix
4: you know it's really
5: funny that Diego brings up that scene in particular because Mm -hmm. my memory is the
3: associated
5: scene where he's getting interrogated by Mr. Smith and he's got the The notebook right before he does the whole spider thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it might have had some uh, collective traumatization there. (laughs) You know, having those impressionable child moments, seeing some on TV. And it's like the government's here to put something in your belly button. (laughs) 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 So that was my my first tangle with the Matrix, but definitely a longtime fan. Oh my God. so
3: (laughs) So, Peter, how did you first encounter the Matrix? So
6: I first saw The Matrix when it first came out in 1999. Wow! I was in fourth grade and a best friend of mine, his dad went to go see it in theaters by himself because he was like, oh, I wonder what this is all about. The very next day calls up me and says, hey, we're going to go see The Matrix. I'm going to go see it. I'm, f- I'm in fourth grade. I don't, I don't know what The Matrix <laughs> is, but my dad's like, yeah, go with them. Go check it out. And these two guys are talking about that interrogation scene oh, with yeah. the, the bug that goes in the you know, Neo's belly button, whatever. That scene fucked me up at that age. Collective <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <Yeah>. <laughs> traumatization. Exactly, right? yeah. yeah. But um I won't say that I went out and found it. I think the Matrix found me. And I've been <laughs> I've actually been a huge fan ever since. So Amazing from nineteen ninety-nine up until
3: current day. Wow. And you, Kevin, how did you encounter the matrix
7: yeah just like pete over here i first saw the matrix in 1999 when it came out in theaters not sound like one of those guys but um i'm not sure if a lot of people remember but around this time in 1999 there's a lot of films or you know companies that were putting out really fantastic marketing campaigns um around that same time there's like the blair witch project which had one of the first um, big successful uh viral campaigns to advertise for their film but the Matrix was also doing something very similar around the same time. If you guys remember the tagline, follow the white rabbit, yeah. there even used to be like billboard signs about it. And it was very ominous. So like, I remember driving around certain like freeways around um my neighborhood and we'd see the billboards, but it wasn't until we finally saw the movie that it was like, Oh, this is what <laughs> this movie is about. Because if if you paid attention to any of the ads, like it was very confusing. Um, Unless you were smart enough to like really follow any of those puzzles they put out there, you know, you would just kind of have like the gist of what the Matrix could be or what it was. But watching it in theaters was one of those memorable experiences that people would probably compare to like, you know, the folks who saw um, Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. when it first came out in theaters. You know, something that became a cultural phenomenon and you're going rushing to your friends in school like, like, oh, my God, did you see this movie, blah, blah, like, this is so cool. And, um, God, yeah, that scene was so terrifying because you guys kept mentioning uh, the squid scene (laughs) and yeah, that definitely made me cringe. But I, I also think about like all of the effects it had with like, as soon as you were done watching it, you just wanted to like be one of the characters in the movies. Like every kid in my grade wanted like a black pair of shades (laughs) and they wanted to look cool and wear trench coats Mm -hmm. and this and that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was fortunate enough to see it in theaters and It's, it's held up pretty well in, in my opinion.
3: Oh yeah. So you, okay. So Peter and Kevin, you saw it in theaters while Josh and Diego, you did not see it in theaters. You saw it at home. Yeah. So I'm in your guys' boat because I saw it at home at a friend's house. We all have that friend with the cool parents that let them watch whatever they want to watch. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah, those are my parents for sure. Um, <laughs> cause you had Grand Theft Auto 3 when you were like five. Wow. I, had,
6: I had every yeah. rated M video game. Um, it may have messed me up, but also actually Kevin thinks that it messed me up. So, uh um, trial by fire. Yes. I was that guy with that those by fire.
3: So I saw it at my cool friend's house and this is the same friend where we would go to Blockbuster and like rent. Two feet tall stacks of uh, tapes of horror movies. So uh, I think it was like around 2002 when I saw The Matrix at my friend's house, and it was just he had like a giant poster of The Matrix, and I was like, "What's that?" And he's like, "You you don't know The Matrix?" I was like, "I don't. What is that?" And he's like, "We're seeing it right now," and then he put it on, and I do relate to all of you because like the interrogation scene to this day still sticks out in my mind. Like before even revisiting these films, like it like it was like burned into my brain. Yep. Not the squid, not the inside going into the belly button, but Neo's mouth yeah. being fused shut to this day is like, oh my god. Like it the effects
6: that messed me up more so than the bug itself because yeah. I love to talk, as you know. <laughs> You've known me my, my entire life. Yeah. I love talking, and that freaked me out, even at a young age. And I was like, why is his mouth gluing together? And I thought it was actually, like, super glue on his face. And I was like, this is horrifying.
3: Yeah, it's so scary. And it's yeah. like, not only can you not talk, you also can't eat. It's like a death sentence. Oh, it's so visceral, and it, like, gets under your skin. It's like, oh, my God, it's mm-hmm. so creepy. So that really stuck out when I saw it for the first time to this day. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but like after watching The Matrix for the first time, you know, there's this fog um, when you're, when, when you press stop or like when you walk out of the theater for you two of like, is this real? Is this real (laughs) life? Am I in The Matrix? Because like it's a very convincing uh, story and it just, you know, it sticks with you. It's one of those movies that sticks with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, man.
7: Yeah, especially in the first film. If you remember, um, they introduce the concept of the sensation of deja vu. And in the film, deja vu is the matrix uh, as a system undergoes like some sort of correction. A
5: patch or update. Yeah, an
7: update. And you might see an event um, repeat. Right. And Keanu Reeves is like, whoa, deja vu. He sees the cat (laughs) walk past him twice. And... You know, again, I saw this film when I was five years old, so that left a huge impression on me. So every time I had a moment of deja vu, I was like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> is this real? Like, what am I experiencing at this moment? Mm-hmm. Um but Yeah, that, that's really funny when you mentioned it. That's the first thing I was thinking
3: of. Yeah, like there's so many moments in the first film. That like we encounter in our everyday lives. That's like, wait, is this a glitch in the matrix? <laughs> <laughs> like I see someone like acting weird or I see like, a, you know, those deja vu moments or right. like something that doesn't look right. It's like, wait a minute. Am I really in a simulation right now? <laughs> Am I in a uh, alternate reality where I'm like a battery for these yeah. uh, robots? Yeah, but one of the things that also emphasizes in the movies, like speaking of that
5: whole, like, am I in the Matrix, am I an artificial simulation, is this kind of the fact that Neo is, which as a kid, I had no context for that, except my own working class parents, which is every day repeats the same. So Neo is like going to this office job, which is cubicle after cubicle, and he's being pressured to do X, Y, and Z. And then all of a sudden, the government's here to take you prisoner, do some sort of weird things to you, and you've got to hide from them. Mm -hmm. Like that kind of introduced this whole idea of like every day is the same and it doesn't have to be. And so, you know, growing up in a working class family, you know, you're used to the parents who have jobs, they work nine to five, they're gone all day, you're home alone, you're going to school, et cetera, et cetera. So the movie introduced that whole fact of like, Oh, maybe this is simulation. Maybe it doesn't have to be this way. Maybe this is just something that's being influenced by outside forces. So
6: the fourth Matrix actually teases on that a little bit. Um, it's actually part of like the early theme in the in the fourth movie. Yeah, and I mean we can talk about that, you know, yeah, until yeah. you know the sun comes up and goes down, and whatever. <laughs> but um, I'll touch on that when we talk about the fourth. Mm-hmm. But it is like. Okay, it is that loop. It's everything's yeah, the same. It's right. are we stuck doing the same things, etc.?
5: Yeah, there, there's definitely a parallel between Anderson's life at the beginning, Neo's life at the beginning, when he is Thomas Anderson in the first movie, and where he's Thomas Anderson again in the fourth movie. I won't discount that mm-hmm. parallel that that is there, that he's living that loop over and over oh again, finding escape wherever he can mm-hmm. in the fourth movie finds escape and like uh, talking to his therapist or dreaming or being at home where in the first movie, his escape is logging on the internet and partaking in the hacker community. <laughs>
7: yeah, and yeah, if, if you um, look back kind of roping back to the original and the time period that it was released, looking at films out in the late nineties, comparable ones that have that shared theme and concept of questioning really where society was, at, at that point, like Fight Club. Again, yeah. there's a protagonist in there who is kind of drifting through his uh, corporate job. You have American Beauty who questions his idyllic life in the suburbs. Matrix coming out at the same time, what is actually real. And <clears throat> it's it's funny to see that, that theme running in in a lot of the movies that were coming out around that time period. And I know in the fourth film, they try to go really meta with things. But I think it kind of just shows the, the staying power of kind of the questions the movie brings up, like The Matrix, that it's it's something that people can still relate to because I would say we're probably still in this kind of system, if you want to call it that. And people just really bond with that idea. And, and I guess they find... They can sympathize with it, that, that sensation that maybe there's something greater than what they're experiencing or living in their personal lives, whether it's them trapped at work or they think they have a greater purpose. It's, it's a franchise that's going to stick around because people can relate to it so much. Right.
3: I think that's a testament to like the films overall influence like it influenced you know like you put it kevin like all these other films i didn't even think about like american beauty uh fight club where you have this dude or woman or whatever uh stuck in their monotonous life you know doing the same thing over and over going through the motions and then something in their lives propels them towards breaking out of that Matrix, so to say, in their in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. So it's just like interesting how like this movie has that legacy and influence. Like it's so right. you have this like it's just you know there's not a lot of movies you know in the course of you know cinema history that has that you know impact where it like influences other movies you know not directly where it's like you know a Matrix copycat but like yeah. you could see like the breadcrumbs sprinkled in all these other movies at yeah. that
6: time, but also. With The Matrix, they're very good at hiding little Easter eggs in all of their films that are relevant to the whole theme of The Matrix. So re-watching The Fourth Matrix today, yeah. I noticed when Neo and Trinity are in a, a coffee shop, it's called Simulate, or so <laughs> Simulate, <laughs> right? But there is a restaurant across the street from this coffee shop mm-hmm. called Zoetrope. Oh. And okay. I was like, hold on, that sounds very familiar, zoetrope. I I to Google it because I oh, forgot what it so actually good. is. And a zoetrope is a, um instrument or toy that has a continuous looped image. And when you mm-hmm. spin it, you see and experience the same looped image for eternity. Like a horse. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like little Easter eggs like that that are just sprinkled into these movies as well. You're like, okay, okay. that just adds to the lore and the mystery and all this craziness in the matrix that we get in every single film.
5: Yeah.
4: So, what do you think about all that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Honestly, I was kind of like taking it a lot of it in because when I, um, when I watched, after I watched the matrix series, I definitely kind of felt like I was like, okay, what, what am I trying to, what am I really trying to get out of this? You know? And I think, Like, yes, the idea of a simulation, like that's kind of, that's a lot. And the last time I checked, I'm not Neo, right? So (laughs) I guess in a weird way, there's kind of that acceptance where you have to realize that you just, you are kind of the one within your own life. And also that you have the power of choice to make every single day different. At least for me, that made me kind of reflect and think about like, yeah, like, you know, and you never know what's really going to happen tomorrow. So might as well make everything count. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I was definitely just thinking about the, the, sh- the series and how we touched up on a lot of capitalistic mm. kind of um, almost like viewpoints or like a, the stance, like this movie takes on, like with the agents, like all kind of wearing the same thing and everything. And like mm. that cubicle scene and everything that we were talking about. So yeah, it's definitely that sense of like, I uh, like, you know, uh, definitely punk against the trends, like kind <laughs> of like being like, um, not an anarchist, but um, a non and through and through, yeah. and through free thought, free thought brings more beauty, you know. So
5: right, nice. there's also that theme of using technology. Against technology, because speaking back to those themes of it being set in the time Mm. 1999, like with Y2K and all that Mm. and the rise of the Internet, like Mm. people were. Cultivating this massive wave of technophobia where it's like technology is getting away from us and it's becoming this mysterious other world that only a fraction of the population really fully grasps that's there. The internet, the internet had a lot of opposition in terms of people being able to do whatever they wanted with it. And it still does. Still does. I mean, we just had a recent episode that focused very heavily on that.
3: Right. Um, QAnon.
5: Right, right. And the message boards around those, like Mm -hmm. 8chan, 4chan, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So Ninety nine, like with y2k happening that rise of the internet you had a lot of people that were you know kind of their jobs existed entirely because of these rising technologies but at the same time they themselves are victims of how automated everything is becoming and how technology is creating this level of anonymity so that's a big part of the move of the trilogy i think as well that opened the world up to was like wow. yes it has that monotony but I mean, so did the, the movie The Office, the original one. That was a comedy, and that focused on oh, yeah. that theme of monotony. Mm-hmm. But The Matrix, on the other hand, focuses on monotony and technology helping that monotony to continue, and for a reason that's beyond our control. Did you mean Office Space? Office Space. not exactly.
3: <laughs> I, I called The Office the yeah. original movie, essentially, <laughs> because it is. It's, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't even... Oh, my God. You're blowing my mind, Josh. Like, I never thought of it that way but like totally like we're all i don't want to get off the fence too early but like we're kind of all in a way live in our own matrix mm. because like whether or not we are batteries for i mean you know robots in the future um but like we're truly plugged in and like we are held captive and almost enslaved to not only our rituals, but also like the technology that we need in order to, you know, live out our lives.
5: Yeah. I, I mean, this might be taking a little bit meta, but there's actually like an entire theory around being above or below the system. So Matrix really does an amazing job referencing that indirectly by the fact that Neo is Below the system, he lives beneath it at the start of the movie, but by the end of the movie, he's rising above it. So people who are above the system, developers, architects, engineers, the Elon Musks of the world kind of to a certain degree, Mm -hmm. they're above the system. They understand how it works. They're profiting off it. They're going to have the most mobility. People below the system are people who have the least level of technological literacy manufacturer workers truck drivers so forth Mm -hmm. so Neo starts that low level developer where he's kind of just doing data entry more or less like he's doing software development but he's trying to break to that upper level of the system and see the world for what it is both figuratively and literally by the end of the movie
4: damn yeah i didn't notice that.
3: <laughs> that that's it that's really good so before we go any further because we're dancing upon it so we're not doing elevator pitches but we are going to summarize the film as we encounter each film and since i have four guests one of you is going to take a movie so who wants to summarize the first film the matrix colon the matrix pete i'll give that you don't do it. honor okay. to like the biggest Matrix fan? I don't know.
4: Is that an honor? Anyone want to take that mantle?
7: Kevin, first, do you want to do? I'm even trying to figure out like some words that could describe it. Oh man, we're talking like um <laughs> a crash course of what the Matrix is.
3: Yes, the first film. Kevin, I'm gonna have you summarize the first film.
7: All right. Let me see if I can nail this.
3: We're gonna start in three. <laughs> oh my god! The two. My right timer.
7: One. Go. All right. There's a dude named Tom Anderson, um, hates his job. <laughs> I don't even know what to say.
4: Uh,
7: basically, all right. So the Matrix is basically about, uh, humans are in a eternal struggle against machines and they use humans as a source of energy. And the way that they use them as a source of energy and keeping their bodies alive is all of their consciousness are uploaded to a virtual reality world called the Matrix. And in this movie, there's one very special human in there who has basically system administrator credentials <laughs> into the Matrix <laughs> that let him do a bunch of cool hacks uh, within it. And he teams up with a ragtag team of heroes. Yes. And they kind of follow a quick hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And um, he ultimately assumes uh, the position as, as the hero of, of what the story is to come.
3: That is right. Mm. What about Morpheus? What about Trinity? What about...
7: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, he loves this woman, Trinity. She's very special uh, to him. They have like... Um, what is it? An unspoken bonnet first, but... Um...
2: From- Amel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Morpheus, <laughs>
7: Morpheus is his his mentor. Yes. Uh, you know, he's he teaches him the way of Kung Fu. Oh, um, yeah. And freeing oh, yeah. his mind... Um, Lawrence Fishburne just being an absolute unit of an actor, steals every scene that he's in. Um,
4: Morpheus is the homie. Yeah, behind. he is the homie.
7: <laughs> Truly is
3: the homie. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
7: And there's a there's a there's a lot more. It's a really good movie. Yes. The, the Matrix, the first one, granted some CGI aside, holds up very very well. Mm-hmm. And what put that in perspective to me for me was. How unfortunate um the Matrix was the resurrection ended up being for me personally, but I know we're going to get there. So.
3: Oh, we're going to get into it. Like, we have Reloaded, Revolutions, Resurrections. I have some hot takes. I think we all have some hot takes on all those movies. But, like, the first film, like you put it, like, it is. There's so much going on. You just scratched the surface. But like this movie is so influential. It's so revolutionary. And it just blows my mind that the Wachowskis even created this film to begin with. It's like it's derived from so many different things. Like if you look at the themes of this movie, it takes stuff from like Buddhism, takes stuff from Hinduism, takes stuff from Christianity. And like everyone can relate to this movie when you're sitting in the theaters. It's like I can see In some version, whether it's the monotony or even the deeper concepts that's expressed on the screen, and everyone can relate to this movie. And not only that, technologically speaking, the special effects are pretty amazing. Like, we all know that, I mean, everyone, even if you haven't seen The Matrix, they all know that pop culture moments where Neo is dodging the bullets from Agent Smith. Yes. Yeah like so many movies wanted to recreate that video games too yes
7: yeah um one that just stands out and i think a lot of people again who probably saw the matrix in 1999 probably ended up playing this game in 2001 and that was max Payne. i was just thinking about max Payne's hugest selling point was that they had um a bullet time feature um as a gameplay mechanic and it just was phenomenal to play for the first time. It was incredible to me who went from playing the Super Nintendo straight <laughs> into Max Payne. You no, know, it was such a massive <laughs> jump uh, nice. for me to experience, but that's, that's how the film felt for me as, as a, as a, an audience uh, member watching the movie was the, the effects that had been shown, like, I remember the scene where they're like, we need guns, a lot of guns. I I misquoted that for sure. But all of a sudden the room is just filled with a thousand and one guns. The bullet time scene alone, jaw dropping. And it's crazy to see how quickly other forms of media, were going to start picking up and, and um, taking influence from the matrix out. And Max Payne really ran it through. I mean, even to their last game still featured a bullet time gameplay mechanic. And you saw a mimic through any, and, Many other games and, and films that tried to copy it or spoof it. Um, mm-hmm. it was just repeated over and over again. And a lot, a lot of what you think of when comes to mind as the Matrix are actually like scenes from the first film, not so much from the second or third, right? Outside mm-hmm. of the highway chasing, which is incredible. But, <laughs> you know, a lot of the, your first initial thoughts about the Matrix are always rooted back to the original film and, and whatever scenes were the ones that you took away huge influences from from every one of you it's like the squid scene which is sad (laughs) i was thinking of the guns
2: (laughs)
6: yeah but even like with max payne doing their bullet time thing there are so many different you know themes and trends from the matrix that we see within video games other movies we even see the trinity fight scene parodying in shrek so like Uh, it is everywhere yeah that's true. the matrix itself changed cinema for almost i want to say every genre going forward afterwards right. because i feel like everyone takes a little crumb no matter how large or small it may be yeah. and they're like oh that works well so well let's try it out and you see it everywhere and i'm sure these guys have a million and one other examples that they can just ramble on about definitely but yeah the and and they kind of tease it um, in the fourth movie the Matrix as a game changer, both as a video game, but mm-hmm. then also as a movie in itself, which is pretty right.
3: cool. Yeah. Because The Matrix... So, like, taking a step back. Like, The Matrix is like the first... Because, you, like, you referenced it with the video game. Like, The Matrix is the first transmedia franchise to ever exist, where it takes the story from the film, then you continue it with the video game, and you continue it with the graphic novel, and you go back to the movie. And that is, I mean, I applaud it for its uh, uh, s- uh, scale and scope because, like, no other media I can think of really nails that uh, more than The Matrix. Because, like, The Matrix is, like, known for that. Where it's like, you know what, like, you have the movies, but it's like, it's kind of like that Morpheus moment. It's like, do you want to know more? Do you want to see how mm-hmm. far the rabbit hole goes? And you can with this Matrix uh, franchise because, like, there's so much more uh than the movies and kevin i heard through the grapevine (laughs) that you are very rich in the lore of the matrix i just simply know the movies
7: yeah i sadly got too invested in the story (laughs) because again it's a very interesting premise and i believe that is what what made it such a huge uh, cultural phenomenon Mm -hmm. and even though I didn't play the games immediately when they came out, what I would do is like go out and watch endless YouTube videos or Google videos at the time oh of, of gameplay, and I would read about the stories. And I was mentioning before we started recording the podcast how there was a ton of fan-led wiki pages where people would go in and pretty much write about the backstories of characters or things you didn't know about in the movie. And I want to say around Matrix Reloaded, and then closer towards the end of the third film, there was already a lot of different like, forms of media out there uh, for people to write about. So I would just start reading and, and reading like crazy. And one of the interesting th- things for me, and story-wise in the lore, was really where the, the, the story of Neo was going on the Matrix MMO. And that was that the Resistance fighters and like the Neo-Acolytes were looking for his body they wanted to know where his body was. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big story thread about that. And I thought that was such a huge premise. And I had always read on movie forums about them wanting to make the matrix for, they joke about it in the movie about like the studio constantly wanting to produce a sequel. Right. And in my head, I was like, you know, it's not totally a bad idea because like the MMO, which was considered like full blown canon at the time, if I'm thinking right, I'm like, this is such a great launch point to go from is like, what happens to the myth of Neo now that he's gone? Like, say they theoretically get his body back. Like, what happens from there? Does he become this deity? Is there a search for another the one? Um, or, you know, what different villains that came up through it? Um, in the game, uh, spoiler alert for anyone who isn't part of the greater matrix lore, but Morpheus gets gunned down in an alleyway, like oh massive God. moment. The death of, of, of Morpheus in a video game. So, like, what? that that could have maybe even been, a, like, a flashback scene leading into a fourth film. But, um, yeah, if you haven't played any of the games or if you get a chance to just read about truly the stuff that does not matter, <laughs> the Matrix lore is surprisingly deep and well thought out. It's very, very
4: good. So, Damn. my – I never knew that everything, like, uh, the games and whatnot were attached to the movies. Like, it's all canon. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah, I never really... I think Enter the Matrix's Path of Neo, I don't remember.
7: I should have studied before. (laughs) (laughs) So the Path of Neo is canon as well
6: because the Wachowskis had direct input as to how that game was written and developed. Mm -hmm. So, And they kind of joke about that towards the end of the game itself. And yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of articles, videos online about it, and it's pretty interesting. So right before The Matrix 4 came out, I was just diving into that stuff because I know Kevin played these games. I know, I think Armand had this game when he was like 10. I did not.
2: <laughs> just memory but, inserted. Yeah.
6: Some, some people I knew growing up had these games. I didn't have it, but I, I played them and I never finished them. Kind of like monopoly, never finished them. <laughs> and, but I was like, you know what? I want to dive in and see, because now I'm finding out that it is all Canon. It's just mm. super interesting. But yeah, every, everything that came out, like Path of Neo, Matrix. Enter the Matrix. Enter the Matrix. <laughs>
7: yeah.
6: It's all tied together, which is pretty sweet.
5: Right. And there, there's a lot of other alternative medias as well. Like, I know we were talking about, you know, out of side of the podcast, Animatrix, mm. and how many things canon came out of that that never really got discussed. Well, a lot of things didn't get discussed in the fourth movie. But. <laughs> <laughs> and that isn't the only animation influenced by it. Obviously, that's the most direct. It carries the names in the same universe. It's canon, technically. But there are numerous other, both in Western media and Eastern, both anime, both Western cartoons, mm, that have taken inspiration from The Matrix. I mean, there's even, like, old cartoons I remember, trench coat and sunglasses and so forth, and bullet time. Like, I think the Fairly Odd Parents had an episode, I remember when I was a kid, <laughs> where with, with Timmy dresses up like that. There's no guns, of course, but, mm. like... It, that influence can be seen all throughout all kinds of mediums, not just cinema. So definitely video games, definitely cartoons, definitely uh even most recent movies I can think of that have influences, the matrix. Right.
4: I was only going to say about a fairly odd parents reference. I do recall that because yeah, right? they had, they had power. They were powerful. They were able to take away other fairy powers, but like, you know, yeah. that's what, that's what I remember. And they were gray too. And they had like a little gray, um, Oh yeah, they're like like the
5: Inquisition or whatever, Mm -hmm. like the Agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like (laughs) G-Men. It's such a weird pull.
3: I just remember the Crimson Chin. Uh, (laughs) Chip Skylark. Chip Standing, Uh, Dale Dimadome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. But yeah, getting back to the first Matrix, like, okay, let's be honest. So, like, the Matrix and like almost this entire well, trilogy, It's like a Bruce Lee movie with a sci-fi rapper. It's truly a Kung Fu movie that's with a sci-fi rapper because like the meat and potatoes, well, stylistically speaking, like it's Kung Fu. It's a Kung Fu movie. Like when Matrix, when, excuse me, when Neo is like fighting Agent Smith or like whoever, it goes into like a very choreographed fight scene where they're like doing kung fu. Like even like before we, we even get to that point, he like downloads, uh, you know, information through the Matrix to learn jujitsu.
7: Matrix lore, uh, tidbit, it's 10 hours of downloading time they put into Neo. Damn, of fighting that, styles. That dial up? Yeah. Uh tank <laughs> Tank is the guy who who um Pretty much torrents every possible fighting or style you could find. Off a pirate bay. And it takes him 10 hours to transfer it to Neo. It's never, like, told outright in the um movie. movie. Or maybe it is under his breath. But you could see the guy, like, dying over his computer screen. But, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. and Not a lot of people realize that. Oh, my God. Yeah, because in the movie it was, like, two seconds. Like, okay. Yeah, it's funny how you say that because...
6: There was like that one scene in the first Matrix where Trinity's like, I got to learn how to fly a helicopter. And she learns like, you know, 20 million flight hours within two mm-hmm. seconds. And yeah. Dozer's like, I got
7: you. And like, okay, <laughs> great. They're like, this is 1999. So that's going to be 64 years.
3: <laughs> I need to defrag my computer first and make sure there's enough room. Make sure nobody picks up the phone while we're transferring. <laughs> Mom, I'm downloading something. Get off the phone. That's okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're boomers. I,
5: <laughs> I I think the term you're looking for though, Armand, was gun
3: fu. Kung. Okay. Uh, because you're saying
5: you're saying Matrix is kung fu with a sci-fi band. I'm yes. gonna have to disagree because okay. the gunplay is a very big part of the Matrix. Yes. Like yeah, obviously if you're the one, then you know bullets are useless against him. But everybody else from the agents to the regular people who are plugging in, jacking true. in. They're using guns because they're not the one. They're not able to literally stop bullets. Mm -hmm. You're
3: absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Like only Neo and Agent Smith truly do the Kung Fu uh, Trinity too, you know, to some degree. But like everyone else that doesn't have the jujitsu download. Whoa. I know jujitsu like everyone else uses guns and weaponry right.
5: or, or can can stop bullets because Neil can stop bullets that's why he's using kung fu all the time I don't have to carry a gun because literally guns are useless against me now
4: <laughs> yeah I, I recall a big part of um, I is it the resistance is that the I guess the positive forces within yeah the, the humans yeah yeah, yeah. Humans. yeah. yeah. They had uh, oh yeah it is humans versus machines at the end <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. the humans Um. Yeah, they definitely had an emphasis that they were no match for the agents. So I think that's why they use guns because like we're just trying to not get killed. So we're going to just right. do as much damage as we can far away. But yeah, right. yeah, it is interesting. Literally Neo, uh like how in the first one, how he literally breaks barrier and how he's able to just jump into an agent and just almost refresh his look. You know, mm. I, I remember that. That was that was right. yeah, that Yeah, no.
7: And another argument point that I'm going to keep <laughs> drilling into this podcast to why the, the first one's still the best. You never see it's Neo use a gun. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You never see Neo use a gun again after the first movie.
5: Yeah. That's it. Because he's the one.
7: After that, he just starts whooping ass. <laughs> Hand-to-hand combat. doesn't matter if it's one Agent Smith or a 100 CGI of them. Um, the first movie is the only time he actually uses uh any weaponry, which is kind of cool, but... <laughs> Uh, reloaded, you get the swords, I think.
5: Yeah. Yeah. That whole scene in like the palace after they talk to the, what's Malavigian? The, the Merovingian. Merovingian. There we go.
6: My favorite character in the entire series. Oh my God. And it was ruined in the fourth. But yes. Side, side note. Yes. Doesn't Neo have a gun when they're in the elevator bay to go see the Merovingian? No, because he's,
5: <laughs> he, he does, he, the He's others not have there.
6: You- because he's not there. Oh
3: my God. He's getting the key master. Oh, shoot. I'm thinking of the third movie. (laughs) Not the second movie. Before we get to Reloaded. So you mentioned jumping into the Matrix. So, like, how they get into the Matrix is, so they have human flesh. Like like you said, Kevin, like they're batteries for for these robots. And so how they tap into the Matrix is they take this giant, I don't know, auxiliary cable. Yeah. Where it's, like, like one foot long, and they, like, put it into the like a needle, essentially. Yeah. Like that is such a visceral image mm-hmm. and it's so traumatizing to look at like all these like input uh panels throughout their entire body their spine their arms their the back of their head like that is such uh an intense imagery but like truly if you're tapping into like the brain yeah mm-hmm. you need to do that this neural link of sorts and then
5: like can we talk a little bit about, yes, it's a little traumatizing, the whole plug into the back of the head with the brain, mm-hmm. but also the fact that the traitor in the movie, the Cypher, Cypher right. yeah, Cipher, unplugging people and just insta-killing them. That's so, that's traumatizing. Um, like, dude, those
7: deaths were brutal. Right? That like, was
5: like. They're just gone, flatline, their brains fried. Yeah, oh I'm thinking of, uh, what's her name?
7: Switch. That was a sad one.
5: And she knows it's coming, too. There's yeah. nothing yeah, she can Switch, do.
6: So, Switch sees, like, everyone die. And then she, like, looks up at Neo, and she's like, not like this. And Fair. then,
5: gone. She knows she knows it's coming. And there's no, The hopelessness in her eyes of, there's nothing she can do. She knows it's gonna happen. She knows that her body's right there, and that Cypher, the one person still not plugged in, mm. has complete, like, control of whatever he wants to do to them. So, okay. Right. insta dead.
7: Oh but if, if you're a, a Sopranos fan with What's funny is the guy that <laughs> ends up being <laughs> so the this, traitor. Where's this, going to come from? <laughs> the guy who ends up being the traitor is the same actor that plays Ralph Silfaretto. Oh my gosh, you're Sopranos. right. Yeah. So yeah. this guy, he just plays scummy very well. He does. I love him. He really does. It's it's not Joey But Pace I, I hadn't, I hadn't seen. watched, I didn't know of it's Ralph nice. at the time, but it was very in character. Of I did not the even director. realize
5: they was the same actor. But yeah. now that I think about it, yeah, but it's, it's, not it's Joey different. Diaz. different. Well, the Matrix he's bald and Sopranos he has long hair. Oh that's why I And I Sopranos he kills a stripper, but there's also that stuff. So.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds layered.
3: <laughs> but like I, I mentioned that like it, it's it's such an intense imagery of like this giant needle going into your yeah. body. Yeah. And uh, Diego off air, you mentioned
4: like yes. oh my god. Yeah, I know. When I had, when I saw it, I was just like couldn't help but like jump. I was like, oh, don't please don't inject this giant needle into my head i mean but it also kind of reminds me of like just seeing everybody in the pods and neo coming out for the first time and like just having all these valves like um Uh pop off of you like you're some kind of engine was pretty wild as well and like even sometimes like i mean it's just sci-fi stuff but like the just the body augmentation of like putting ivs like just inside your arm like that i mean i guess i hate needles so if just do it once and then just Yeah, you super
7: metal is when they pull out their own ventilators when they wake up. That's, that is like a nightmare situation. Assisted
5: breathing and all that. They have everything hooked up to keep them alive. It's like the
7: first thing they do is just rip it outside of their mouth. Yeah,
3: my throat would be like in so much pain. Like, Oh my God. There's so, there's so much to talk about with that. And it's, 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 uh, it simulates the trauma of like childbirth of like us going through the the themes. Yeah. Yes. Because, like, that's what Neo goes through when he awakens. When he takes, okay, so, like, Morpheus shows him, like, do you truly want to know the truth? You could take the red pill and know the truth, or you could take the blue pill and just stay in the Matrix and, like, go about your life as you know it. So of course, Neo wants to know the truth. He takes the red pill. And when he does, he awakens to the reality where he's a battery for these machines. He takes apart, like, as we're describing these tubes and wires from his body, the thing from his mouth that goes down his esophagus, uh, into his stomach. And like he, after that scene, he is flushed down into this like tunnel. It's a drain. It's so a yeah. drain
5: waste. Yeah. It's a yeah, waste. waste.
3: It's, it symbolizes the trauma of childbirth because like we're in the womb, that is our reality. And like, we're comfortable, we're fine. And then all of a sudden we are taken from our mother's womb into this whole new world. It's the real world. It's the real world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just a striking symbolism displayed on screen of like what all humans go through. And when we watch the matrix, we're like, I relate to that. Yeah subconsciously. And then
6: then like the sub scene from that scene is when he's like, Why is it so hard to see right now? And Morpheus is like, Well, you're actually using your eyes for the first time in your life. Right. And that just like blows your mind. And you're like, Holy smokes, this guy is on He's on some shit. <laughs> this <laughs> is it. it.
3: The first matrix is so heavy and so deep on so many different levels it that does. we're brushing the surface on. And like, I bring all that, you know, the whole childbirth, uh, imagery on screen is that with, so like, Diego, I'm going to hit you with this mm-hmm. because like, you know, the, the imagery of like plugging into the matrix of like this giant needle going into the, the brain. Like, mm-hmm. so like, we're all dudes here. We don't have to go through this, but like the fair sex. Ladies, when during childbirth, if they want somewhat, Mm -hmm. quote, somewhat uh, uh, not painful experience, they have an epidural. And the needle is about at least, it's It's actually about 18 inches long. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's a long needle. Yeah. So, like, I didn't think about that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay.
3: Imagine that going inside you. Yeah. It's not, it's not a good feeling.
4: I think tattoos are cool, but needles, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah,
3: Tattoo needles, like, they're very tiny. Yeah,
5: the, the closest sure. thing we as, I think, men are going to experience that is if we had a major surgery of a, like, um, a sensitive organ where right. they had to pr- do intrusive surgery. Because what they'll do is they'll use a actual local anesthetic in order to reach that part of your body. You need a needle, like, that long. That's the closest you're going to get. Because wow. they can get the needle past everything and to where they're going to be doing the surgery.
4: <laughs> so, no, just knock me out just knock me out just, <laughs> <laughs>
3: but then you might not wake up that's the reason <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>
5: but on the topic though of like the attention detail mm-hmm. um, when you speak of, when you spoke of uh, him opening his eyes for the first time, that attention to detail is also just throughout the entire movie, this like, let's pay attention to the fact he's never opened his eyes, but let's also make it metaphorical because he's never opened his eyes the first time, uh, used his real eyes before, and he's never really seen, truly seen, mm. like, the real world. This is his first time seeing the real world both literally and metaphorically it's such a great parallel they pull off in that scene Mm -hmm. that it's 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 jarring it's painful it's real life he was told this is what it would be if you really want to see the world there's no going back if you really want to open your eyes then open your eyes like it's doing both at the same time the movie just does that throughout it's amazingly seamless Mm
3: -hmm. wow yeah do you want to know more
2: yeah,
7: actually. <laughs> What's cool is um once they bring him back onto the Nebuchadnezzar and they're talking about like, oh, you're basically like a newborn adult. Uh, they make him go through electroacupuncture for his muscles, which I thought was really like cool and thoughtful. Yeah. Like, wow, they're really right. thinking this whole thing through. Right. But in Matrix 4, they're just like – Neil can walk around. He's he can go around <laughs> a few laps. He's good. He's Gucci. He's done this before.
5: It, it's it's gonna be an interesting discussion on the fourth one because I feel like with the first one, we're in awe at the attention and detail. But the fourth one, and I'm, I'll say, You're this. like, you
7: know, it, you, you've seen this before. <laughs> we did the thing. The, I just
4: feel that the, the discussion for the fourth movie, like that bag just getting heavier and heavier yeah, with everybody yeah, adding it's, in. It's, <laughs> it's,
5: it's where there was attention to detail in the first one, this is revealing, like, spoiler, I didn't like the fourth one. I thought it was yeah. short, lazy. So while the first one was like incredibly intense attention to detail all throughout the fourth one, it's like, Okay, whatever. Here you go. Here's some Matrix. Everybody likes it.
3: Yay. Like, it just... Speaking of, here's some Matrix. So we've talked at length about the first film. Let's transition to Reloaded and Revolutions. And I say that because, like you can tell they were filmed at the same time because they were released relatively close together. Right. And... Because, like, with the first yeah. film, you have, like, this self-contained story. You can tell the Wachowskis were like, okay, we're probably going to make one of these movies, so let's just, like, have it bookend, you know. There's a beginning, there's an end. And then with uh, Re- Reloaded and Revolutions, there's obviously a cliffhanger in between the two movies. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, so who wants to tackle "Reloaded"? Who wants to summarize "Reloaded" before we get into it?
4: I can, I can try. Okay, <laughs> Diego, <DNA. laughs> um, um,
3: summarize "Reloaded." Um,
4: to my knowledge, within Matrix, uh, "Reloaded." Okay, the second within the Matrix franchise. Yes neo is aware he's aware of himself is he's aware of his power and now he's understanding how he can apply this power to help humanity win the war against the robots uh through this he seeks um even like help even beyond himself kind of uh, through beyond concept of himself as well and he also and it's also we learn more about like the politics of the humans and the machines and kind of like where they stand. Uh, it's a lot more world building, so I definitely like the second one for the world building. But yeah, that's the that's the second
3: one. I'm pretty sure I butchered it, but You, you know. did not butcher it.
4: Oh, okay, cool cuz I feel like the second one got to butcher the series. But it's fine.
3: <laughs> so so I think wow. the so I think that the action
6: in the second movie was pretty insane. Yeah. Typically all sequels suck and but for talking action wise bringing in those twins in the second movie oh yes those ghost twins with mm-hmm. the butterfly knives the Wachowskis
2: <laughs>
6: that was something that stuck with me in, yeah. in that movie because right. it was so different and so unique that I was like okay I, I can get down with this and they're cool looking and they're cool like, looking one has like dreads no they both have dreads they they're both, they're, have dreads. They're, both al- they're, they're both albino they have yeah. dreads they can whip a butterfly knife, like you know, Dressing in all white, a teenager's like wet dream, and it is just so badass. yeah, they're all in all white when all these major characters in they're the in Matrix, the video games. they're in the yeah, they're in the video games, but they're just an iconic character, mm. and they it just goes ag- basically against the grain of like the black leather shades,
3: mm. all that stuff, and I just thought it was a pretty cool contrast. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. I'm going to make a hot take right now. Mm-hmm. So, like, we talked about at length, the first movie, how it's so revolutionary right. and so inspiring. And so, like, it has this legacy of, like, everyone knows what The Matrix is. Whether you've seen it or not, everyone knows, like, the big moments in the film. Like, oh, my God, it's a simulation. Oh, reality isn't real. Oh, my God, the red pill. Like, oh, my God, like, like all these other things. Bullet time. And then with the second movie, I'm going to say it right now it continued the franchise in the worst possible way. I'm going to say it right now. Hot take. Because, like, the first movie is amazing. Yeah, that's hot. And, like, <laughs> with Reloaded, mm-hmm. my God. With the whole, like, so, like, in the first movie, we learn about, like, through dialogue, like, there's this uh, human civilization called Zion. And that like, that's the last bastion of hope for humanity. And all of humans, there's even human-born humans because, like, you know, majority of humans are like batteries and like hooked up to these ones. I've never been
5: plugged in. They're all natural,
3: right? They're natural born humans. Plugless. Yes. And like the, the symbolism there is like, um, uh, when God comes back to earth, it's going to create a new civilization called Zion. So like, that's the imagery there with Zion. It's like, Oh, this is like, you know what humans are meant to be. And like, you know, with the world that's been destroyed, there's one last hope in on earth. And like, I'm gonna say it, it felt like episode one, The Phantom Menace, cause like the original film is like the Star Wars trilogy with like Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi, and like Reloaded felt like The Phantom Menace, where like immediately you're hit with like space politics, uh Morpheus is like a captain. Is like, oh, excuse me, oh, Morpheus, you can't talk about that. We must uh, console the council. And I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, this is like some bullshit right now. So actually
6: going back on that, um, the second movie also brings to light what exactly they're fighting for. So it's not just to save the Matrix as they know the Matrix at that moment, but it's to save and preserve Zion and the human race. But then we figure out later on in the series, Zion has been destroyed and rebuilt a thousand times over by a thousand different, the ones like, you know, it's just this never ending cycle Mm -hmm. going back to this whole never ending loop theme. So,
3: but the way you explained it right now was better than the, how the film explained it, you know, because like the film is like bogged down with like. I understand that Wachowskis are trying to like world build and to expand it beyond the first yeah. film, mm-hmm. but they do it in such a bad way. Like it's so bad.
5: Well, I think also what it was is that they wanted to kind of like make the movies different from each other. So when they made the second and third one, which by the way, just kind of, the, you know, overview this here, my opinion is. First one, amazing. Second one, okay. Third one, absolute garbage. So there's <laughs> also that. So the second one is doing something very different than the first one, which in my opinion isn't the worst. But I agree with you that some of the things they jump into are just like, this isn't really necessary. But I feel like they were doing it because they're like, hey, the kids like gunplay these days. Let's put more gunplay in. Oh, hey, you know, I know they're really excited about this. Let's do more of that. Hey, some movies have a lot of political intrigue. Let's do some political intrigue. So it's like, they couldn't quite recycle what they did in the first one. Right. Otherwise, you'd end up in a scenario where it's like, what's the difference between the first and the second Isn't one? The if first
3: just... is the same movie as I watched. Like, it's like Home Alone 2, Lost Gosh. in New York. It's, it's the same movie as Home Alone 1. Like, okay. So, like, we have this movie where it's like, it is totally different. It's a completely different movie. So like, the third one's completely different from the
5: second one. It's...
3: I will say, because I know, Kevin, you're cringing right now. I will say <laughs> the best part of Reloaded was in Zion where they're having this industrial dance party. The rave. And Whoa. like everyone's going. <laughs> the and rave. like my favorite scene I is like – I think I know what you're going at right now. This and I, dude, I think it's like yeah. the loose
6: nipple that comes out of that dance party. There's, <laughs> <I> like, <didn't- laughs> there's like one – uh-huh. Just like titty, just like off.
3: I I don't remember the 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 phantom nipple, but I do remember this dude with dreadlocks and like he's like covered in sweat and he's like whipping his hair yeah. back yeah. and like yeah. all this sweat life. comes out the, and I'm like fuck yeah. The the, <laughs> the, ra- the rave is the weakest part of the entire series
5: in my opinion. Like it just it seems like it's so out of place of everything. May have that been is
3: true like yeah. why is it here we could lived without this <laughs> but as someone who likes industrial music, hold on which i thought which, awesome which rave Bucks. are we talking about we're talking about in the beginning of the movie with uh not the beginning like maybe like second act or like we're in zion like we the learned Zion. Arpheus, what yes zion rave okay because there's, there's another rave
6: there's also the rave when he meets trinity in the first movie we're when he oh, okay. when he follows the white rabbit.
5: You're talking about the in the Matrix when he's trying to meet Trinity, the the notorious hacker in yeah. the first one. No, we're talking about, about the the,
3: the no, Zion. about a and then up. and
6: then and then there's the rave, like the actual like yeah. crazy in the cave rave, in like five cave, yeah. five yeah. minutes long. Yeah. It's and so then, unnecessary. And then, and then there's like the whole like all-leather-packed rave at the Merovingians' place.
5: Right. Mm.
3: But it's, I mean, okay. the movie's full of raves. I'll tell you where the movie Gosh. shines, uh, Josh. So, like, even though, like, I'm a fan of industrial music and electronic music. Sure, but as am I. where the movie truly shines is, like, like I said with the first film, like, it is a kung fu movie with a sci-fi rapper. Every time there's a fight in this movie where Neo is fist-fighting whoever that's where the movie shines. It's like, oh my God, like, you can like, bitch about like... Reloaded has some good scenes. Yes, some good fight scenes. Amazing fight scenes with Neo, with whoever. Yeah, the choreography is spectacular. Yes, that that's where the movie shines. And that's why I think it's like a Kung Fu movie because like, when you watch like a Enter the Dragon, like Bruce Willis, like the plot is like at the wayside, but like where the movie truly shines is when Bruce, not Bruce Willis, when Bruce Lee is fighting, say Chuck Norris.
5: Yeah, I... I'm certainly not a cinephile by any means, but I think like one of the most notorious directors that have been influenced by The Matrix of recent is probably John Woo. Like, he has oh, yes. so many movies that do... Uh, gun-fu essentially where it's like okay you've got uh, a hard-ass police officer who uses an ak-47 but he's also a martial arts expert and he's gonna break down the triads yeah. there's like
3: five john woo movies that have done that it's better than fu with uh, the fast and the furious movies <laughs> oh, man those are <laughs> fun man. hey don't talk shit about family <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
4: i will say about the second one though too yeah. is that i'm pretty sure like, we see Agent Smith's, Smith's, say Smith's, Smith's, <laughs> Smith's, Smith's, yeah, Smith's uh, <laughs> we see his rise in, um, I guess in software superiority because he kind of starts, um, he starts organizing all of this, all these different, uh, kind of software, I believe to be a force against Neo because I believe by the end of the first one, Agent Smith isn't the only program, if I'm correct, and therefore by like the second and third one, he becomes like the sole program, and the Matrix does become his world. Sorry if I'm jumping a little bit, but yeah, I will. Yeah, I will also say like I just in general, as Agent Smith's character is also super badass. I feel like mm-hmm. just uh to just to take a second for how his um his delivery of like his lines Hugo Weaving is very talented mm-hmm. yes and yeah. like he, Mr. Anderson the way he talks is just so robotic and just adds more to his you know his um just his character and i i do remember that a big part of the first movie um is that he does show humanity within himself when he does get mad at Morpheus. And I think that was actually a big part for himself because he realized that he was a, a sentient program that could like learn even more. And that's also what helped yes. his rise to power. Well,
5: exactly. well, what's interesting is that I feel like you'd write an entire essay on character development about Mr. Smith mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. in the first movie, he's part of the system. And at the end of the first movie, he's basically griping – to morpheus about how disgusting he is that he has to deal with humans and how he wants to get out of the matrix so he can go back to being part of the collective yeah but the second and third movie show him evolving to be this rogue AI that's doing his own thing and against the system. So you can write an entire essay about how him being knee-deep in this filth, as he calls it, has made him the filth. He's become corrupted, Mm -hmm. which is why he's now so emotional in the second and third one is because he's not supposed to have these emotions, Mm -hmm. but he's been corrupted by the humans he's been dealing with for so long. Mm -hmm. You can write an entire essay on character development around how well Hugo Manning pulls off that kind of trapeze act of still being robotic, still being the same character, but now he's infected, he's different, he's corrupt, and now he himself thinks the best way to deal with the Matrix, This now what he sees as a flawed system, is to go against it as well, to destroy both parties, so all that's left is him.
3: That was a very big plot point in these next two movies. Is like, cause like You don't expect like the main antagonist of the first film to kind of have a change of heart, in some way where it's like, you know what? I don't want to be part of the matrix anymore. I want to be free, but in a different way.
5: Mm-hmm. He wants to create his own thing. He exactly. wants to
4: be all there is.
3: Exactly.
4: Kind of pretty cool how that uh, freedom of choice has like really blossomed into almost like everybody, you know, so, right. or everybody, but also affected the villain. But I guess that also, I mean, that is accurate because if I'm correct, without neo there can't be an agent smith it's a yin-yang concept Mm, between the two chaos and order Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and it's great because smith grows
5: in such power and becomes such a central point that the very thing he got corrupted by is the very thing that ties up the franchise which obviously we'll get to but that's the whole point that why neo doesn't get slaughtered the moment he goes the machine city is because i can offer you a, a way to fight smith Right. Right. Mm-hmm. other than that he would have been slaughtered out right the moment Trinity and him
3: true. had landed oh true yes. true yes Kevin you've been silent
7: yeah, I was gonna say i I'll definitely make the argument for the people who are fans of the sequels um <laughs> yeah i'm I'm definitely a sequel apologist for sure um but I think it's important to to again kind of take things back to where the first film came from why the filmmakers made it what were their. Um, original intentions or whatever uh, vision that they had for the film and I know at the time uh, Lana and Lily were really using the script um, at the, of the Matrix or I guess their themes that they were trying to exercise were people who were going to or were coming into terms of their own um, identity as a person mm-hmm. um, especially in the uh, gender space like god forbid I know I'm not well equipped to <laughs> get into the intricacies of that but it's been made clear many many times over in their in their interviews like what they thought they were trying to relay in that story. So like if you look at Matrix as a film from beginning to end it it's it's very self-contained. It pretty much wraps up like Neo turns into Superman and flies off into the sunset <laughs> and like you could very well just have seen that movie and that's it. That's amazing. And what was really cool about the first Matrix was they give you all these hints and they already talk about the world that's already established. Like, you know, the Nebuchadnezzar is one of ships. You see, it's minted. You know, the crew has a history. They've been around for a long time. It's only ever kind of like talked about in the background, it's never directly explained to the viewers. So, if I'm the filmmaker and I'm given a choice here, well, my original story was for me to express this intention. And I believe I achieved that in this film. Where do I take it now? Well, I already made my point in the first film. So for me, and, and this is kind of why I enjoy the sequels. It's, well, I'm going to continue like the story as it is. So like, I already got the philosophical, um, concerns addressed there. And again, like, please go in and find the interviews from them both on your own accord. They're definitely worth listening to. I think there's a lot of important conversations to be had in that space. Um, but just focusing on the film itself, because I'm a film enthusiast, they're continuing the story of, of Neo and the Nebuchadnezzar crew. So what's logically going to happen next? What was really cool and, and we touched base on it with the animatrix is, is I consider it critical viewing because one of the many stories in there is the last flight of the Osiris, which is one of the other crews that's out there. They end up finding out that the machines are drilling into Zion, which is the premise and the opening parts of what Matrix Reloaded is. So one of you guys made a uh, comparison to it being Star Wars. I think it's a lot like, um, Empire Strikes Back, because right away, like, shit hits the fan. Um, You have Niobe who calls a meeting of all the captains to get together. So you pretty much, like, have all the central players right there presented to you. And they tell you, like, this is the crisis that's happening. This is why it's important. Like, we need to get moving now. Like, the story is now progressing forward. The stage is set. And it's like, we're going to, you know, follow through from here. And... What, what I really love about Reloaded is, is they finally start pulling back the curtain on all the things they talked about. We finally see what Zion is. Like, obviously, they'd say that there's humans around. Okay. Well, where are they? Where do they live? Uh, we know that, uh, humans can live above ground. Okay. Well, what does the city underground look like? And I thought, you know, for at the time, it looked cool, whatever. I'm sure everyone can make their own interpretation of what an underground city could look like. I get some of the gripes around, you know, the, rave cave <laughs> scene. <laughs> but again, like you, you got to understand like humanity's culture is now like very homogenous. They're all like together. So there's going to be like an intense swap of culture. So that's why we see like a lot of different groups of people representative in the cave. And you see a lot of different like cultural um references or touchstones, whether it's the apparel that they're wearing, whether it's the way they're praying, whether it's like the Buddhist symbolism, like it's all represented in there. So you, you kind of get, a good idea of like, what would humanity look like or what would a city look like if something this severe happened, you know, to civilization where we're all living together, uh, under in one city. But from a storytelling perspective, I think the Wachkowski sticks, sisters, the only logical thing that they could do in that was to continue the story itself. Obviously. The Matrix one opened up the door for all the great philosophical debates that people want to have or the interpretations that the creators themselves wanted to relay to the viewers. But if we're talking from the sequel, the the, the whole purpose of that is to continue the story. And I think that's what the, the sequels end up doing. Granted, they're not perfect, but I mean, we really have to kind of take a step back here. Like, the story is about giant squid robots murdering humans. Like, all of this is like crazy fantasy. Like, think back to... Marvel, when Hawkeye says, like, I'm a guy with a bow and arrow shooting at, like, aliens. Like, none of this makes sense. Like, <laughs> I think people put a little bit too much stock into that. Like, you really do have to have a suspension of of disbelief here if you want to, like, play in the the Matrix
3: real-world
7: lore as, as they have it established.
3: But, Kevin, do you want to be red-pilled? <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, but, like, going back into – the whole like origin story of the Matrix and the lore, we get that in the Animatrix, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we see the like the come up of AI and the machines and how the machines started to like think for themselves and they adapted their own emotions and personalities and everything else. And then through that, they try
7: to unionize.
6: <laughs> Speaking to the mic, Cash. <laughs> they try to unionize. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, we we have like this new race on earth along with the humans linear and that's the quote unquote machines. And then we, I mean, if you actually watch like the animatrix and everything else, you get into that and you see why the sky was blacked out and how yeah. the machines took over and all that brutalness that is,
4: you know, right. Ran- a backstory that I actually don't know.
5: It, it's a cautionary tale. It's a cautionary tale. It it frames the Matrix as opposed to humans are victims and victims of this thing that's a big unknown. And Matrix reframes it as a cautionary tale because, yeah. yeah.
6: So basically at a very high level is humanity creates technology to replace manual labor. And what happens is there's this unwritten cast like system mm-hmm. where humans are put above machines however machines through ai are learning constantly they're never sleeping but they're always being put to work and they're just falling apart so basically there's all these machines that are basically like spit on shit on because they're lower tier however they're still a conscious being mm-hmm. but they're not organic mm-hmm. so it's it's just this plight between humans and machines and then the machines start to like leave the humans, and they're like we're gonna go create our own country. Basically, that's basically what's going on. Okay, and they start to evolve like super fast. And what happens is they become they gain some sort of power, and they're like, "Hey, we can help humanity like continue to evolve." And humanity's like, "No." And this entire meeting goes down at the UN. So it's like – it's crazy. The whole Animatrix is nuts. Damn, and know. then it basically turns into a whole war. And what happens is all these global leaders like plan to block out the sun rays because the machines were using solar to basically power themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have this like never-ending thunderstorm right. in the world, blah, blah. But as we know, UV can be caught through thunderstorms. So <laughs> it, it's 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 just – it, it's funny, but it, it, it's a pretty dark origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Big global uh, um, kind of uh, environmental issues kind of within that as well, you know, just kind of willing to sacrifice her own green earth just to stop, like, the one thing that we created. But, again, that's, like, adds more to that cyclical cycle. Yeah. That that short mm-hmm. is,
7: is – it's really awesome, mainly because it's, like, really creepy to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Pete did a good job summarizing it. Where, um, basically, you you kind of even see this with Tesla right now with how they want to build like um, cyborgs to help out with manual labor, but they build a bunch of these robots to do manual labor, and they start to become sentient, and they start to develop human emotion, and that's why I joke about. They were trying to unionize because I think if if you watch it, it's quite literally that is they get treated really poorly at work. I think they see one of their fellow robots gets like massacred in front of them and it really angers them and they revolt. But uh, a fun thing with the, if you watch the short and if you go deeper in the lore, they do go off and create their own city. It's, It's like mega city. And the reason that it gets escalated to violence is that they basically create, um, a robotic utopia in their city. It's like out in the middle of the Middle East. And they're powered by solar power, so they're self-sufficient. But what actually leads to the war breaking out is that they end up crashing the world economy. Oh,
5: yeah, because they're able to, like, perfectly (laughs) use materials. Yeah,
7: I I, I always joke. I'm like, they're they're crypto mining everything. (laughs) 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 They're just crashing currency markets left and right. But, yeah, it's – it's again, it's a cautionary tale. It's funny. They go off and create their own city. They're basically saying they didn't need the humans. Uh their economy is so superior to everyone else's economic system that it crashes the global economy. And, and that's what leads to the UN meeting is that humans are angry. They don't want them to be around and they want to start war. And um, it's kind of like if you've seen Dr. Strangelove, where you basically have two powers that can like wipe each other out in their entirety. And the, the humans basically just decide to block out the entire sky so that robots can't utilize Uh, solar power so it's like if we were you know the united states was going to fight russia we're going to kill ourselves trying to kill the enemy and that's basically what humanity ends up doing because that's how they end up underground they blocked out the sky yeah so basically like very
6: high level it's like in halo when you have the rocket and you have to (laughs) get that final kill and you're like okay i'm gonna just kamikaze this that's (laughs) what the humans did to the machines and like we're screw it we're all going down together going down like the titanic no lifeboats
3: yeah, mutually shared
5: destruction. So, mm-hmm.
3: what you are describing could have been a great movie than what we got. <laughs> the thing is, the
6: animatrix like story wow. or stories are fantastic. Yeah, and if that was redone in like a live action like miniseries on yeah.
3: HBO or whatever, could be a prequel. Be perfect.
5: Yeah. It it very much was one of those examples. I think Star Wars did it – well, Disney did it recently with Star Wars where they approached a number of different studios and artists to come up with their own Star shorts. Visions. Star Wars Yeah, Animatrix That's is good. Star Wars Visions, but for the Matrix, you have completely different artists and studios taking their own independent takes on – the matrix and the i can came what the shorts are called that we keep referencing but they're the two biggest shorts they have a part one and a part two and it tells the history the origin story of where the machines came from and how the world got ruined so those two take up like half of the entire animators they're both very long and
7: i thought it was perfect for that story too because well for one they really fly by through like a lot of years of the story that they're telling but oh yeah the the graphic nature of it when they're showing how brutal the war is between the humans and the robots like when they're crushing them inside of their mech units yeah those it's, are it's those very are. violent and graphic and you know here i am american child watching this in a, oh my gosh in yeah. a hotel room like i wasn't used to anime that much and here i'm watching like a soldier getting crushed by this soldier but the, the form in which the medium was delivered, which was animated, I thought it was perfect for them to be able to explore that part of the Matrix. And I think the Matrix doesn't always deserve to be like a film. Hmm. You know, there's other ways to tell stories. I think video games would have been great. Right. Like my wish would be like a Mass Effect Matrix game. That'd be so sick. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think the animatrix. Was able to tell a lot of good stories because of the, the way the medium was presented allowed them to really kind of go out there and step outside of the box.
3: Right. Wow. So, like, what you described... Could have been an amazing follow up than what we got. Because, like,
5: <laughs> okay, okay. I, I mean, I mean, a lot of things could have made the fourth one better. Like the, you could have had a director that. You're saying the second one. I'm and, saying the second. Oh, the and second. third. Oh, oh one.
7: The, the second one's continuing Neo's story. So where it where is. do we find Neo? We find right. Neo, like you said, he has now embraced his role. He's very confident of who he is. He knows that he's got these cheat codes. He's system admin. can do whatever he wants so what does he do he he goes out and he starts helping other people getting out of the matrix one of the big characters that they introduce and he ends up being bigger in the third movie and in matrix online is the kid and he's one of the first people who's able to break out of the matrix without the help of outside influence and the person that helped them do it was neo so like they're showing basically what what would this person be doing you know after the first matrix with all these amazing abilities and he's doing what you would guess, he's helping people out. He's helping humanity be propelled forward. Um, maybe people have a different idea of what Neo's next journey should have been. But let's let's look off where Matrix One ends. Neo's yeah. literally flying off into the sky, hopeful. What is what is Neo doing as soon as we find him in the next movie? He's like doing hopeful acts of service, you know, to people around granted the movie gets really dark and it goes like very bad for everyone but they literally kind of go off right where it ended and again i feel like they continued the story of neo granted not the philosophical debates that we want to have but yeah hey this is what happens next
5: and I, that that's what Reloaded is. i i definitely agree with kevin on that it's just on one hand i i hear what you're saying armand yeah. the second movie wasn't great yeah. it had uh definitely uh uh, a, a sequelitis to it, so uh-huh, to speak, yeah, which, yeah. Yep. like, you know, kind of all sequels are not that great because uh-huh. they have all these hallmarks of kind of not great directing, not great dialogue, <laughs> and now this is kind of awkward. And right. But to Kevin's point, like, they didn't really have anywhere else to go with it. They already set a story in motion with the first one. Right. So you couldn't really just make a carbon copy of the first one and have the same themes and the same everything, or else people would be like, what's the difference? So you have to pick up that story. You can't just abandon it because then people would have been saying about the second one. Well, what the hell happened to Neo? Like, what were we even doing this for? Like, where's to talk about the world? Like, what about Neo? What about Keanu Reeves? Did he not pick up the contract? So, Keanu's a great guy.
3: Like, you could have (laughs) continued the story in a way where I was, like, hitting on those philosophical notes. Like, I understand, like, it subverted expectations. You wanted a
5: more low-key sequel why I think not
3: he wanted even it. low key, but like explore the ideas that were Present, introduced yeah. in the first film of like existentialism and free will and like, like your reality is not what it seems. And like with the second but film, it's like, I, I, Hey, I, there's a society. I don't we need think, to fight the machine. It was like Terminator mixed. I don't in. think the studio would have let them
5: do it though. I don't think the studio would let them do it because studios have a lot of oversight, especially a studio as big as Warner Brothers, where they would have just been like, Well, how's this different than the first one? That that goes back to that is like, oh, we're going to focus on philosophical themes, but you guys already did that in the first one. Why don't you focus on more of the gunplay and more of the kung fu, and now Neo has powers. Why don't we use that instead? That's what they did in the second one. Mm.
6: Yeah, I but think- also I, I feel like with Matrix 2 and 3, they did it well because you do have that cliffhanger at the very end of 2, which makes you realize, okay, 2 and 3 are actually linear. So it's all happening at the same exact time. So you have Neo... And Morpheus and Trinity, that entire like uh, ne- Nebuchadnezzar crew, basically trying to save the Matrix when everyone else is trying to save Zion. So you have both these stories happening at the same exact time. And, right. I mean, props to the uh, Wachowskis for doing it that way because, I mean, they they bite off a lot more than they can chew. I mean, look at Cloud Atlas, right? Like, right. if there's anyone to do that movie, it's them. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. like. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I do like Cloud Atlas. I've not seen it. It's Same. three and I hours long. It. It's long. I saw it in theaters. <laughs> wow. Weird flex, but okay. You are a big movie guy. You <laughs> <laughs> are I'll continue the
7: defense on, on reloaded. So, do it. Yeah. Let's let's say it's missing the philosophical core of what the matrix is. I would say that is wrong because Oh, my God. Mm. It you,
5: approaches it differently.
7: A, a lot of people keep kind of forgetting this because it's very easy to get kind of lost in your own thoughts. But it's, it's, it's presented very, very clearly in all the Matrix films, and that's the illusion
0: of free will. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Matrix Reloaded explores
7: this pretty in-depthly because um, Pete mentioned some of the the backstory between Neo and and the concept of the one. So there's been six versions of him before uh, the Neo that we get to know that have already done the same things the the same past six NEOs have done. So Neo in Matrix Reloaded is given um, a binary choice, one and a zero, of whether or not to go back into the um, main program of the Matrix and insert his prime code to reset the Matrix. Or he can go to another door and go out and save Trinity because at the same time, she's getting attacked by an agent. She's falling off a window. She's going to die. Uh, Neo knew he this was going to happen. He had bad dreams about it. And the Architect has seen... Six other Neos choose the same choice, and that's to reset the Matrix. Well, Neo here basically is is thinking to himself, and it's, it's cool because you see the screen showing, like, the different Neos freaking out mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. architect. I like the one where he's, like, flicking him off. He's like, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, I, I want to see that Matrix version. <laughs> Ew, <laughs> no, but – um, there, he's presented with a choice. Did did Neo at that moment genuinely have uh, free choice or free will? And I think he exhibits it for once, kind of breaking the pattern that we saw with his predecessors, because he says, "Fuck the fuck resetting the matrix. I'm going to go save uh, Trinity right now." And that question keeps coming up, and it's keep it's presented to the characters many times. And the the thing that they're trying to kind of nail down is that even though you're presented a choice even though there's an alternative, you already know in your core what choice you're going to make. So there's your philosophical debate of whether or not Neo had the free will. The moment he met Trinity, he knew he was always going to do something for her and like protect her. Right. But he also loved humanity. We saw him rescuing minds in the beginning of the film. And now he's given that choice. Do you care about humanity more? Do you care humanity over Trinity? And, For the first time in six cycles, he chose the person that he loved. And that's the thing that the the machines are always like, oh, why do these two people love each other so much? (laughs) So there is a philosophical core to the movie still. But from a film uh, viewer's perspective, too, again, the action was unparalleled. It was winning awards left and right for its special effects. The highway scene is iconic. Right. The staircase, uh, staircase scene is iconic. I think it does both things well. It continues the conundrum of free will while still pushing forward what we expected out of an
3: action film. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And I do have to say, speaking of the special effects and the fight choreography, Kevin, you probably know this, but everyone else, that, that fight scene at the highway, um, I thought it was CGI they built that highway. I, yeah. I, they built about seven and a half miles of highway yeah. just for that. Yep. That's insane. Out,
5: what? Out, out, what was yes. it? Out in the Arizona desert or something like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah damn. It, they it, got
3: the money that, that WB money.
5: Yeah. It, <laughs> I, I'm glad we bring up this topic because it was something I definitely want to talk about from the first film, but obviously the second film, the first one was so close together in production, but I really wish more modern productions would take a look at The Matrix and see just how amazing it looks for its time because they pulled off spectacularly the appropriate amount of blending CGI with real effects you can have some amazing effects that look way ahead of their time if you just use cgi only where you absolutely have to Mm -hmm. if you can make it real action make it look good and put in that cgi only where you need to you get something that looks way ahead of its time and you can't really tell the difference like you just said armand you you thought CGI. You thought the highway seemed was CGI. Nope. Most of it was, in fact, shot real time. Probably sprinkled with some CGI where they needed to, and some really cool editing. Mm-hmm. So it's like if more directors today could take that direction. Uh, we get a lot higher quality production value. They take
3: the lazy way out, like uh-
5: all CGI. Yeah, they take them. They take the Marvel Cinematic User the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe way out. They really CGI. do.
3: Because <laughs> like, if you look at the Wachowskis' a later cinema, uh, later filmography with Jupiter Ascending, that's like almost all CGI, and it looks like complete garbage. Yeah, it looks like complete dog shit. But then you look at Interstellar, and Interstellar is a mix of CGI
5: and. Actual practical effects. When what? they're yes. in the cockpit, when they're in close up, those are all practical effects. Right. But of course, things like right. looking outside the window or so forth, big shots or
4: stuff like that. And like, looking outside you're the me window. They didn't go into space to shoot them? They didn't uh, go into oh space, <laughs> but they almost did
3: because like they use reverse project, pro, they use a reverse projection to show the, the scenes in space. They show the black hole like in real time. So it's like in camera, but like it's still being like, yeah, lit yeah, yeah, yeah. from an outside source. Like, that's how you do it. Yes. Oh
4: my God. Yes, that is very cool. Yes. I will also say, on the topic of CGI and on the topic of the third movie. I'm going to give it to the machines because the watching the uh, damn traitor. (laughs) What are the I wish sentinels? Sentinels. Sentinels. Thank you. Yeah. uh, I love watching the sentinels just kind of converge and like come into one as like they're all kind of digging and fighting and the giant machines. It shows how hopeless it is. Yes. It was like, oh, the despair. Like you can't box a (laughs) sentinel. So if one lands in front of
7: you, what do you do? You just like
4: they're so big. They're I so mean, versatile. I feel like I'm just yeah. going to like
7: kneel and let whatever happened happen to me. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah.
2: Right.
5: They're they're essentially industry versus a human body like mm-hmm. an industrial machine that can manipulate thousands of pounds of pressure mm-hmm. in an instant.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like,
5: like a person versus true. a forklift
4: essentially yeah. like who's going to win? The forklift. <laughs> it's exactly. It's crazy how fast that, you know, that like how fast that is it just doesn't care next thing you know your hands like but you know exactly yeah exactly
3: so we talked about how reloaded and revolutions are pretty much one giant movie so kevin i need you to summarize moving forward revolutions
7: yeah so it's basically um Matrix Rise of Skywalker. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, mean, they yeah. kind of end the same. <laughs> no, uh, so Ma- Matrix Resurrection. No, not
3: Resurrection. Re- uh, Revolutions. 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 Yeah, here
7: I'm saying I'm a Matrix lore master, but their names are deathly confusing. It's mm-hmm. a bunch of R's. Yeah, so what... the third movie is like the most dire of things have happened. Like, humanity's back is against the wall. The chances of like things panning out are not very high. Um Agent Smith is now like among humans, which is pretty crazy because mm. now he's both in the matrix and in the real world. So what is he going to do? And um, Neo is trapped in limbo, which is nuts. And it's like from a m- movie viewing perspective, it puts you in a state of anxiety for like the first half of the film. But basically they do their best to have an all out, cgi battle at the end of good versus evil and there's a few storytelling cop-outs that happen towards the end but overall it brings the conclusion of neo's journey of saving trinity and humanity somehow at the same time um and i will say out of all of the matrix films it's my guilty pleasure because of the non-stop violence mm-hmm. again i grew up watching these films as a kid So, like, these were the things that attracted me at the time. The reason I enjoy the Matrix films now is because I'm enjoying both facets. Like, I appreciate, again, the philosophical edge and just the dumb Mm -hmm. violence, which is very, very fun in the third movie.
3: And speaking of the dumb violence, like, when I was watching it, so, like, for this podcast, you know, I saw the Matrix way back when, but I never saw two and three. So like for this podcast, I watched two and three for the first time.
7: That must have been really fun. And
3: I was blown away. It's cool. Yeah. Maybe fun for a sadist. Cause it turns into like a whole different experience. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was like, Oh my God. They continued the story in this way. Like what? The yeah. Cause like with revolutions, like reloaded is definitely better than revolutions, but like, Oh my God. Like revolutions, yep. I would say 70% of the movie is just mech warriors fire, firing their guns yeah it's just boom 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 and i was like is there a story like wh- what's happening with this movie yep.
7: and again I, I feel like the writers again kind of wrote themselves into this conundrum where they're like well what how do we depict the final battle between machines and humans it's like guns it's gonna be a cgi fest
5: big robots things are <laughs> good things are
7: gonna explode people are gonna die um right but i think the way The Matrix does it It was interesting because we do kind of see how humanity has adapted to fighting those things. Like I just joked earlier, what do you do? Do you box a Sentinel if it lands in front of you? Um, They did a really cool way of showing what infantry combat looked like. So they would have the kid, that guy I mentioned earlier before, run out with ammo crates in a barrel. And two guys would escort him with like laser Sentinel beans from like Halo and at any moment, these things would drop in front of them. And these guys had massive balls. They would just, like, go and start shooting back at the at the machines. You know, they didn't care if they were going to die in, like, an instant. And what, what they do really well, I guess, is kind of shown in, like, other war movies, is how quickly, like, someone can get snuffed out. You know, you see a character alive for one second, and then, boom, they're, like, shredded to pieces in the next. So it was, I guess, the filmmaker's opportunity to show, like, this is what war would look like and what it looked like. We right. saw it in the animatrix. Yep. It was a lot of boom explosions and body parts <laughs> exploding. So they mm-hmm. stayed at least consistent in, in that perspective.
3: I'm going to say, like, I'm a big fan of mech warrior type stuff, but mm-hmm. like, why on earth do these mech warriors have hands that hold giant guns? <laughs> yeah. Why don't they make the actual machine into a gun? So have you seen the edge of tomorrow? Yes. With Tom <laughs> yes. I, I did not, but I am yeah, familiar I've with the movie.
7: It. Did you enjoy it? Did anyone enjoy it? I thought it. We're fu- talking about influences of the Matrix. Those things were basically giant miniature yeah. versions of their it, mech suits.
3: I mean, but like, are all mechs derived point. from the Matrix? I would, I would argue, definitely not. not. No,
7: because isn't the Matrix also heavily influenced uh, influenced by like um Neon
4: Genesis and uh, Akira?
7: I have yeah. a point I have so it's
4: actually interesting my my girlfriend brought this up um before we started watching the matrix and she had told me that the original story of the matrix uh might have been stolen right and it's the idea that um in the 80s uh there was a in 83 there was a woman it was a black woman by the name of Sophia Stewart who wrote for a science fiction competition and a newspaper ad, right? And now artwork gets stolen, has gotten stolen all the time. Mm-hmm. Ideas get stolen all the time. Yep. So apparently this woman, uh, she had written both the, the Terminator as the prequel to the matrix that that's was like her original thoughts. Apparently she included sketches as well. Right. Um, now the biggest issue is that she doesn't have the original work right. to, in which she had like turned in. So that is tough. Um, I will say, like I said, you know, work gets stolen all the time, but it is kind of interesting. Cause like, I feel like if um, you know, from the Terminator movies I've seen, especially when I think of like the scenes of like one and two, and when you see the machines like kind of uh rise up right you you can't help but to think like the natural um the natural kind of if you were okay i guess i'm kind of making this up but if you were a sentient robot life form uh-huh. and your intention was to wipe out the human race then you might as well create robot foot soldiers of yourselves to wipe everybody else out Mm -hmm. hence the terminator there was also a lot of it was very dark i mean that was because of the nukes that they had gone off that Uh wiped a whole bunch of people out Mm -hmm. um but yeah you know there was it's kind of also interesting too because the first one you know how we talked about how the first one felt like it could um feel like its own movie and kind of going on how the second and third one was like uh yeah this is all happening at the same time you know it's kind of like like, well, shit. Maybe like they had this idea from the swimming about the first one, and then the second one and third one. Oh man, I'm I'm going ahead because there's another theme do about it. the fourth one.
3: Do it. We're adding to the bag. Yeah, therefore. yeah. I, I
4: think we can start opening the bag a little bit. <laughs> Let's just go for it. Let's like
3: peek into
6: it. Let's yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, Pure yeah. waterfall. Let's do it. Okay,
4: so I would actually say that. The fourth one is disappointing in the aspect that it is pro-Agent Smith and pro-capitalism. Hold up. Actually,
6: before we go into the fourth one, my bad I cut you off. Can we talk about how the trilogy ended? Yeah. And and all these different theories that people had going into into the fourth one that actually could have made the movie so much better if they went any one of these 12 different ways,
3: Mm -hmm. right?
4: Yeah. Cause I think that's about what we're pretty much going to get into. Yeah. Cause I feel like getting into how the fourth one could have been better is you're going into a lot of what the themes that the matrix, uh, the matrix franchise stands for. Right. Right. But yeah. So third, I do agree with you, Diego. Yeah. I, I would say the, oh man, to, I would say the third one just kind of wraps up with him dying. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> a, <laughs> and so, a lot, happens. In the, in a the, lot the, happens. The chat's just GG's like. You know, JJ, <laughs> every, all the pain. GG, yeah, all, right, all bye. the GG's bye. coming in. <laughs> left chat, left chat, <laughs> left chat. TTYL, left matrix, left matrix. You know. <gasps> oh,
3: man. But, yeah, I think that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, okay. So, like, the ending of like revolution. So, like, you have so we meet the architect and reloaded, and it's yep. like, oh, I am, you know, I made the matrix <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And then with the third movie, we have the embodiment of the Matrix as like this humanoid giant face, and I'm like, and, and Neo's like fighting it, like, "No, what? I'm gonna beat." I'm like, what? "What the fuck? What was that communicated yeah, so as the embodiment of the Matrix?" He
7: he's supposed to be the physical representation of the machines. The matrix itself is just a bunch of servers. I was going to say, like, the matrix is just a bunch of servers. That's like a very boring depiction. I I always thought, like,
5: the Mm. the big face assembled of nail machines was like the the the
7: leader, the architect. This is how you humans communicate. So I've assembled myself as a fucking swarm of robots. Mm
3: Mm -hmm. um it's just lazy writing and i was so disappointed i was like you can't see either so what's the point you have this (laughs) a lot of exposition yeah (laughs) exactly so like you have like this amazing first movie that like sets up like all these different things and it's like everyone thinks about the matrix this this, this, is the first movie and like with the second and third movie it's like clearly you did not have a follow-up to this movie and like the way you end it isn't like the laziest worst possible way where you have like this giant face and neil's like i'm i need to beat you
2: yeah.
3: i did beat you but and then that's how the movie ends and i'm like oh my you god you don't have the protagonist
5: flying away into a rainbow
4: the the part where <laughs> where he did say he where he was like i want to make a deal and he was like i'm listening and then it cuts away and they it's like back to the battle scene yes. i was like well, yeah. I, now that's why there's a fourth one. They, like, <laughs> set it up in this cliffhanger, you know.
7: Yeah, I, I always go again like, oh, you're not going to follow my – was it Suspend my disbelief here for a moment because, say, there's these super powerful computers. Would they not have run so many scenarios where they've come to the conclusion that, like, oh, we need to make a deal with this dude so that when he goes in and fights this uh, virus that's infecting our computer, they'll just, like, cancel each other out? Because from a storytelling perspective, that's what happens is basically the story starts wrapping up all of the threads. Neo has his face off with Agent Smith, who, just to put it some context, the guy is basically a virus in the Matrix. That's the best way to understand his character. Yep. And the best way to understand what he's doing and all of those scenes where you see he's multiplying, he's infecting other programs and they're assimilating as, as him. So he's just a virus spreading throughout the Matrix. Basically, the gist of the story is that Neo and Agent Smith share a connection together so that if Neo dies, that means Agent Smith would also die. They they must coexist or not exist. So Neo giving himself up was the only opportunity for Agent Smith to insert his code into Neo, and they basically self-destruct. It was an act of self-sacrifice. Mm. I'm just confused as to how the giant... You know, Mech god face didn't mm-hmm. like already have this understanding of, yeah, this is what we need to do. Like, we need to get them together and connect. <laughs> mm-hmm. I,
5: yeah, I feel, I feel like, to your point, there could have been, there could have been more, a better build up, a better like, a better finale than just a final fist fight between Neo and what has essentially become a rogue AI. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the Matrix to be like, oh, we need to send this rogue human in who's a kind of like godly human Mm -hmm. to dock out this virus. Like, haven't y'all heard of WebRoot or something? they have their
7: their final (laughs) philosophical debate. Once Agent Smiths whooped Neo's ass and he's like dying in the crater, Neo just keeps getting up and he's like, why? Why do you keep getting up? And again, they bring up uh, the choice of free will or the concept of it and Mm -hmm. he says, because I choose to, because I want to. Yeah. And it's like,
2: like oh, yeah, what?
7: Whoa. The Matrix makes sense now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I really, it's his choice. Yeah. It's
5: it's a it's a it's a very very subpar finale to a mm-hmm. subpar end of the trilogy.
7: Yeah, I mean, it fizzles it fizzles out yeah. at the end for sure. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's cute. You get a nice little girl who stares at a rainbow, and everyone's happy.
6: Yeah, but I I feel like they went the easy way out. You know, just to make sure it's like, oh, we have a happy uh-huh. ending. It's all smooth in the end. And you oh.
7: want everyone to die?
6: I wanted everyone to die. <laughs> no, I'm joking. So
3: um, everyone did die. Inside. I mean,
5: yeah, a lot. I mean, everybody. Uh, in- but died.
3: Yeah. crew got killed. There, there, there was a lot of death. I died watching it.
5: <laughs> we all did.
6: <laughs> but even even like at the very end of the third, I, like there's so many questions that are like unanswered. Like, OK, Neo dies. Yeah. What's next? We have the architect meeting with the 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 Oracle at the very end. Remember that? Yeah. Very small scene. Like we have the architect, we have the Oracle and we have Santi. Why is Santi so special? So because the script said so. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So, and something kind of stuck with me. And when Armand was first asking like, Hey, do you want to do like a matrix podcast? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So I was thinking, okay, matrix four is coming out. How did the, the third one end? Most people hate the third. It sounds like yep. I find everything entertaining. What's up, Kevin? So, <laughs> so um, I was thinking. Okay, the very end of the third movie, we have only three major characters in the Matrix. At all, well, four technically. We have the Architect, we have the Oracle, Santi, and the Cat. So,
5: hmm. that's- what about Trinity?
6: Everyone's gone in the actual Matrix, like in itself as it's rebooting, okay. except for those four four beans. And I'm thinking, okay, why is Santi here? And personally, my own theory was, is the Oracle grooming Santi to be the next architect? Because we see that Santi was actually creating the sky as a thank you for Neo. Oh my
2: God.
6: And she was actually creating that major part of the matrix that they were experiencing. So I was thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, what if, because these are all machines basically that were like, we needed Neo to beat Smith. Mm -hmm. Neo is now with the machines. What if Santi is the new architect and she basically resurrects Neo into this limbo state into her new matrix. But then I was thinking, okay, okay, What if Neo starts to question his new environment? He's like, wait a minute. I'm starting to remember things, blah, 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 which we see in the fourth. And we get this whole Inception-like thing where when you start going off scripts in Inception, Mm. everything goes to shit. All these like NPCs basically around Mm. you are like, wait, you're not part of the dream. Yeah, And then everything just goes to shit. So I was like, that would be a dope concept for Matrix 4. Right. Because we see a grown-up Santi in the trailer and I'm just like, "Yes." And that's what I was hoping for. You knew that
3: at. was Santi? Hell yeah. I didn't know that was Santi. You then. know why? I knew it was Santi when she said on screen in the fourth film, <laughs> mm-hmm. "I'm Santi." So, and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my
5: god. I know who that is." Yeah. Yeah, so so
3: <laughs> if you if you go back to all
6: the different um interactions with like the Oracle in all three movies, there is that Alice in Wonderland, like, theme that she throws in here and there. And then you have Santi with an Alice in Wonderland in the trailer. So you tie both together, Oracle and Santi. This is in the future. Santi's older
7: now. And that's just where my my mind was going. I'm, I'm going to make the defense for her character here. Because <laughs> I heard some slander <laughs> earlier. Uh, especially because we see her introduction in the film when she's... Um, in limbo with uh, Neo. So she's interesting because she's a program within the Matrix and so her her parents. And in the context of the lore of the Matrix, <laughs> um, every program is supposed to have a purpose. If they don't have a purpose, that's when the agents go in and exterminate them. Mm-hmm. Agents aren't bad. People don't understand this. They're like uh, white blood cells. They remove things that aren't supposed to be in the system. Yeah. They're like your Norton antivirus or Norton VPN, whatever you want to believe it. <laughs> uh, you know, the equivalent would be basically they're there to protect the computer, the, the Matrix. So um, her parents both have their purposes, programs. We find out what her parents, her father's purposes is in the fourth one. But what's unique about her is she was a program that was built. She was born without purpose. So this meant that she was at danger of getting deleted. So we meet her and her parents because her parents are making a deal with the Merovingian to smuggle her into the Matrix and um, to keep her safe and basically off the radar of the big baddies and, and the agents, otherwise she'll get um, deleted. The reason that little tidbit or, or background story and, and why the filmmakers really show it, it's important because if, if we're going to start leaning into the fourth one and, and what you end up seeing in the fourth one is um, programs and humans actually collaborating together and the discussion that, neo has with her father and neo's basically trying to figure out like why he's going through all these great lengths to protect his daughter this and that and he goes and explains that programs themselves can feel and understand the concept of love Mm -hmm. so again philosophical debates are still present in the third film (laughs) and they're doing all of this and endangering themselves sheerly because they love their daughter they understand she doesn't have a purpose but they love her they want to protect her so in the, uh, fourth film, we see programs helping humans, uh, reverse engineer fruit. And they have finally the option, the choice. We're again talking about free will here. Programs are now being presented with the ability to choose who they wish to align themselves with or, or work with or communicate with. And, and, um, they start using those cool like mini beads, uh, to form bodies and stuff. And they're working with humans. So, Sati's really our segue to understanding the plight of the programs, because mm. you have to understand they themselves are are oppressed by the machines themselves. Uh, Agent Smith, he's a virus. He's a piece of software. Software is also against you know the machines. They have their own uh, whole world of of concerns and and motivations and and drives. And again, I think that's really kind of what holds the Matrix back sometimes. Is the world is really big, and that's yeah. why it's so fun to learn about it. There's so much to it. But when you try to put it in an hour and 45 minutes or two hours, it's it's not going to come out as clean as you want it to be. But, mm. you know, hopefully a great filmmaker and, and writers team up in the future, because I, I know the story is very open ended right now mm-hmm. uh, for interpretation. It'd be really, really cool if we brought it back down to scale. I know they did that with the fourth one, but I mean, like. The more intimate the stories in the Matrix, the better they are, especially if you check out the Animatrix.
5: Yep.
3: Absolutely. Yep.
5: I definitely agree with you on that. When I was talking about the Animatrix, I was thinking about how like in their own world each story in the Animatrix is. And I really wanted more of that in the fourth film. And even the third film, because I didn't like the third film. Yeah. I thought it was horrible. <laughs> um but there were a lot of parts in the third film, and I unfortunately as I watched the fourth film over, you know, the holidays i just felt the same thing i felt for the third film was just like man i just want to be watching the first film this is horrible mm-hmm.
2: right. <laughs>
5: because they could have done so much with this or this or they could have a smaller story on this specific piece like you're mentioning the separate programs allied themselves with the humans like they mention as probably one sentence maybe two That there was this civil war that happened between the machines.
7: It's so sad that that deserves an entire film franchise. Right, right, an entire franchise. I'm telling you right now. The the fact
5: it just gets peppered in as an oh by the way here's the reason we have these. That's um, a fucking interesting movie. Right. I thought the
7: movie was gonna go in that direction. I was like holy shit they're gonna pull it off.
5: Nope. (laughs) Nope. Instead you got 15 minutes of here's how great the old movies were. Don't you wish you were watching these?
6: (laughs) 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 Yeah. I mean honestly like I wish that Matrix Four just kind of like touched on neo touched on morpheus touched on the right. old story like right. just for a second does
5: not that shit but then this but is
6: then, supposed to be in
5: the future they're dead they right. Pe- right no no totally. but, but like
6: just like pepper it like pepper what we know as just like nostalgia just in the beginning get it typed up but then they had the entire movie evolve into this story of like bugs and her team and continue oh the entire God. matrix yeah. timeline because yeah. that would have been amazing but they're like, you know what? We're gonna give you two and a half hours of pure nostalgia, and have nothing with it. Like, <laughs> like that's I, it.
5: Like I yeah. know we're gonna get into it, but to your point, like Pete, I really, really wish they had kept Neo, Morpheus, Trinity, all the original people from that I'm dead. Basically, a where the new troops. And we're now immortalizing mm-hmm. the troops of the fifties and sixties. They're dead. They're gone. This is yes. not their war anymore. This is our definitely, war. Definitely, definitely. Yes. Yeah. And that's yeah.
6: and that's what I thought it was going to go into in the first ninety seconds of the movie because you hear right. Bugs and you hear her crew say, "Wait, this is old code, but it's familiar."
3: Yes. For the first ten and minutes, then, I
5: had some hope.
6: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you hear. Someone, I I forget their names just because I really wasn't paying attention to their names because the (laughs) movie sucked. But at the same time, I'm thinking, okay. And, and like one guy's like, why is there a loop of old code?
7: His name's Sequoia because his dad likes Sequoia trees. Mm. So (laughs) yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking,
6: I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be cool. Like they're just going to pepper it in, like what we know the Matrix to be and then create this new umbrella of Matrix lore. But they're just like, we're just lazy.
5: Yeah. And like like I was saying at the very beginning of the podcast was just, that is my entire feelings about Matrix 4, which I know we'll get into, Mm -hmm. is just lazy. Absolutely lazy. Is everything about the fourth film felt lazy? There's so much they could have done where it just felt like they just, here you go. Remember this?
4: (laughs) (laughs) I Okay, so I'm going to kind of continue my point from earlier because I would say I just think it's funny that um the matrix kind of fell prey to the one thing that it was kind of referencing itself towards and like the i don't know uh i i know I talked about kind of a, a theme of like how agent smith and the matrix and um taking the blue pill is like kind of part of uh how do i say is um i'm sorry i'm trying to Hold on of these i'm trying to like bring back this thought i would say the thing with the blue pill is that the you know it's that the, you're a the fourth one no the fourth, the fourth.
5: <laughs> he took the blue pill <laughs> so, so,
4: so i would say the thing about the fourth one is that it falls victim to like the nostalgia to capitalism mm-hmm. to trying to make money off of um you know just regurgitating what we already know you know even with bringing back keanu reeves you guys could have at least fucking said that like oh with the matrix reboot like yeah there's the the one has a new look but i mean there's also the theme of the one always resurrecting so they could have they could have just made it like at least the the nostalgia factor the fact that it's still cyclical i mean it's still technically Mm -hmm. still cyclical but i could have done with I need a team to to go in there and potentially do a suicide mission. I didn't need to see the whole team step up forward because I was like, that was very cliche. I just felt like the 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 very much cliche of everything was it felt like it was just like going against everything that the first one had going against and had, exactly. had going on. And it felt like it just this weird cash grab. And I understand that maybe the point that they were trying to say that Trinity can't be there without Neo. Um, I know that actually has a couple of trans, a uh, uh, couple of trans community connotations as well. Right. Um, but I would also say like, I, I guess they were saying like without Neo and Asian Smith, they're saying there can also like, there also has to be a Trinity. Hence, her name, Trinity. Hence, those three people have to ever be present. But it was just... The fourth one just... Yeah. It was weird because I felt like it just suffered to what it was trying to fight against. And that was kind of lame.
5: And, and it, it mocks it, too. Mm-hmm. It mocks it. So in the I beginning know. of the movie, it talks about how Warner Brothers is asking for this. Yeah. And it's like, you literally are doing what you're mocking. Yeah.
2: yeah I you
7: think win. if people kind of look into the history of the development into the matrix four and the mindset of lana Wachowski. a lot of the things that you see in the film are like things that transpire start to make a lot more sense especially in the story beats like um for example very tragically i know she experienced death in her family i think it was like her father and in an interview she touches up upon how she was using this as an opportunity to basically revive the memory of her father because she's reviving these characters. It was a way of her feeling a sense of like safety and happiness, going back to something familiar to her and pretty much like anyone's desire to, you know be with their parent or a lost loved one again. Mm. And she was using the, this opportunity of reviving the characters as her outlet for her internal grief. So I kind of take a step back. I'm like, okay, that makes a lot more sense. But the, the movie itself has good bones. Like, there are good things in there that just aren't executed well. Yeah. So, like, I thought Jessica Hadwick was amazing because I love her as Colleen Wing in Iron Fist. Um, Me and Pete were talking about it. Like, having Bugs and her team as is, as all of the characters were casted, as they acted, it would have been really cool if we had seen... An entire movie of them trying to find Neo and then the finale being like, Oh shit, Neo's fucking back. Like, what's gonna happen next? And like or Trinity, whatever. Yeah. I I think that would have been a missed opportunity. Again, like once you understand the context of how the film was written, it makes more sense why this story panned out the way it was. But, you know, as a fan, it is very easy to take existing lore, to think of this, to think of that. It it was not overtly difficult to write a Matrix movie in the sense if you wanted to kind of pick up the story. Granted, you know, any writer's going to go in there and put their own philosophical twists or input in on there. That's that's up to their directive. But if we're just talking about the continuation of of the storyline of the Matrix, again, it would have been really cool. I mean, Disney messed this up with Star Wars, but to really (laughs) see the next generation kind of take – the story uh onto their own right and it kind of sucks we didn't see that right. but
3: it's a definitely a missed opportunity of passing the torch yeah. and before we go into resurrections pete's i need you to summarize the film go
6: okay so in the first matrix we are presented with what the matrix is the whole backstory of it being a simulation etc etc two and three we are basically presented with the themes of Neo saving the matrix and the rest of humanity saving Zion from the machine. So we we've already touched on everything so far. Yeah. With the Matrix 4, in my eyes, the main theme overarching umbrella is the concept of free will again as always, but also the question of what's real, what's fake, what do I actually believe? And one scene in particular which really sticks out to me is when we have Morpheus or the concept of this resurrected Morpheus because Morpheus is actually dead. Um, he says, are memories turned into fiction any less real? Is, re- is reality based in memory nothing but fiction? That is, in my eyes, this entire what is real, what is fake theme of The, the Fourth Matrix but also, it's we go back to free will, but then we realize from bugs, free will is only
3: an illusion. Right. So, going into this movie, like you said, so free will is just an illusion. So, like, the main storytelling point is will you take the red pill or will you take the blue pill? And then this movie subverts that by saying, like, by the way, there's an illusion of choice. Like, you are always going to take that red pill. You are not going to take the blue pill. And I think that is a very interesting device that this movie brings up to... Because, like, so, like, if we go outside this film, like, I think the Wachowski... A Wachowski was going to reclaim the red pill because, like, for some reason it was co-opted by this weird Republican conservative uh talking point where it's like you want to be red-pilled mm-hmm. i'll tell you the truth and like this movie is so, like, th- let's and, take and, it
5: and before that the insult community same right. thing right. like people exactly. like uh playing the game and like let me red pill you on how to talk to women it's like shit. so
6: <laughs> so if we if we move outside of this film uh-huh. not getting too political or anything else but looking at other media donnie darko right mm. so our paths are already laid out for us right as we see in that movie and that concept. So when Bugs is talking to Morpheus while he's still Agent Smith and not yet Morpheus, which is a huge mindfuck in its own yeah. in this movie, she's like, "You already know what path you're taking, so why choose?" And when I heard that, I was like, Donnie Darko, right there. Like, I envisioned that like m- that path matter emanating from his chest. And I was like, okay, this seems stolen a little bit but <laughs> that that's kind of like what I was feeling when I was seeing that for the first time. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Josh, you wanted to say something? No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> that's how I felt after watching this movie, because like, you know, I was, I don't know what I was expecting, but what I saw in this movie was not at all what I expected. Like, I will say the first hour. I don't know who said it. Like I think it was Pete that said like the first hour was actually very enjoyable. Like it it did this meta commentary about like the writers, like talking about like how WB wants to make a sequel. Josh, you said it. Like they want to make a sequel, but like they're gonna do it with or without them. So like Lana Wachowski was like, you know, I'm gonna make a a Matrix four, and like the whole commentary with like making it like a video game like resurrecting this franchise and like how you proceed forward with this franchise was ingenious. And like, I was yeah. sitting there watching. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is how you make a matrix sequel. It,
5: it was really impressive what they could have done with it and where they were starting to go with it. But then they immediately dropped it. It seemed like as soon as they started getting some momentum, yes, because the whole concept is around this philosophy of the death of an author of once the author has created something, and other people start taking ownership of it, that author is kind of left on the sidelines, whether or not they are physically alive, which Neo technically is, but in that very overt way of death of the author, as it's called, Mm -hmm. he's standing there on the sidelines, literally, while his game, quote-unquote, is being co-opted by the entire creative team of this company, and his input's not being asked for, he's not being involved. It's, it's It's a really awesome metaphor they're trying to pull off but they play with it for what feels like only 15 minutes of the movie and then that's it oh we're done with this like well wait a minute there's more here you could do with this
2: mm-hmm. but
5: instead it kind of cannonballs into this whole like well he actually is the one and let's bring him back and let's let's rescue him and and oh what I thought it was just a game and it's just callback upon callback is what the movie ends up devolving into is what I feel like after that initial like right what seems like a really good uh playground of philosophy and like death of the author
3: yeah like you have this really interesting concept of like almost rebooting the franchise yeah. in this very interesting way but then it devolves into south park's member berries hey remember trinity oh yeah i remember trinity yeah remember neo oh i remember neo remember morpheus oh yeah they I literally do morpheus.
7: that with one of the shipmates she's like i'm the daughter of this captain yeah and i had to google it because i have a terrible <laughs> memory and i'm like oh shit yeah that cat was kind of dope Oh yeah, I remember that character. Yeah, movie. I was like, I remember Chewbacca. <laughs> I <know. laughs> and
5: even even Neo is just like, oh really? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. It it unfortunately, as much as I love Keanu Reeves, like this was not his movie at all. Like it should not have been his movie. They tr- no. it seemed like it, um, it was, was Lana that tr- that was Lana. the director? Because I yes. know the other Wachowski wasn't involved. And this well, was just she's yeah. Out. yeah. Good for uh, her. Right? Yeah. Um, I feel like Lana didn't quite realize that like, Keanu's role as Neo was pretty much done. Him playing old Neo. Like, Keanu Reeves, I love him, but he doesn't have a massive range. Like As an actor, he doesn't have a massive range. So to bring him back to play a character who's now 20 plus years older, it just was not a fit. Instead, it, right. like you tried forcing this actor into a role that they really we're not going to be able to play very well Mm. in a script that didn't seem like it knew what it wanted to do. And it just, it felt lazy. It felt lazy. Yeah.
6: So something that Kevin and I have talked about a few times when the movie first came out was, and even like leading up to it, there was a lack of rehearsal. Like really? Yeah. So they went in and they spitballed performances and there wasn't full rehearsals to get things down. And because it was like, hey, we've done this three times. We're on autopilot. And you can tell Keanu was on autopilot for a good portion of this movie, right? Whoa.
2: Whoa.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, it's kind of – it's funny because Neo sounded and looked tired. Like it almost seemed like why am I being – waking up again, oh, right. you know? And uh I actually also wanted to add on to – the idea of the death of the artist that you were talking about. Um, yeah. just because it's so literal to that, um, for those who do transition that, um, when they, when they, when those who are part of the trans community see themselves as a, a new person, they go by a new name and they usually their old name is referred to as their dead name. So it's, kind of fascinating to definitely see that Mm. resurrection of you know um, knowing the Wachowskis have both transitioned so it's like you know um, we were hinting at some like trans themes within the series and I definitely think that is a part of it as well
5: right and and I do think like it's important to recognize that like ultimately obviously I'm out of my depth here when it comes to like trans rights and things like that but the director who took Matrix Resurrections is a different director than the one who did it in mm-hmm. the fact that not just in the fact that they transition, the fact that they are yeah. now differently named, differently identifying, different gender, living that new life and embracing who they really are, but also the fact that it's been 20 years. Why did you decide to pick up this series 20 years later? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's where again we're gonna come back this multiple times because that's the thesis I stick to is laziness is just you didn't have to pick this up you could have allowed a different director to do it you could have allowed a different story to be told you could have literally allowed this to go a different path you know,
3: it's been nearly 20 years 18 years i guess since the last uh, matrix movie, right. and like it has nothing new to say like, exactly you have yes. other franchises like blade runner that Picks up the story, what like twenty or thirty years later.
5: But that was a different director. Ridley yes. Scott didn't lean around the corner and say, "Hey, I would have done this with Deckard."
3: Like,
5: even
6: like, even <laughs> yo yo,
3: even Ghostbusters, right? I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ghostbusters Involved. It, it Fuck, even the new Scream movie has like a completely different director, or, and or they the new pick Star up Wars, the torch. So the well. new yes. Star
5: Wars, like like like, don't get me wrong. Not all the new Star Wars movies are that great. I'm a huge critic of Rise of Skywalker, the new trilogy, and mm-hmm. what. Um, you know, JJ did with that, but Rogue One. Ryan for Johnson. Him. Ryan, Ryan Johnson, Johnson. Fair enough. Um, but, but he
3: did something new with the franchise. But go on, go on. Rogue One was amazing. Mm-hmm. Solo
5: was pretty damn good. Again, different directors. Like, why did why did the Wachowskis not allow? Or why did Warner Brothers even not allow or not insist, hey, look, it's been 20 years, you're a completely different person, Keanu's a completely different person, we're all older, right. let's let somebody else own this and submit their own proposals. If we're going to reboot the series, let's not do a tack-on sequel, let's do an actual, like, something fresh and new in the same universe. It was
3: clear that, you know, I mean, I'm not Lana, I'm not going to pretend to be Lana, oh, of course, but yeah. it's it's very clear that it was like this is my child and this is my franchise and I want a say in it because like there's even commentary in the movie where it's like you know they were going to make a sequel you know without with me or without me so I'd rather be in this production rather than being outside of the production I,
7: I guess yeah but you you could also make that uh, argument in her defense because again if we're looking into the context of the development of Matrix 4 we do know and understand because it's it's coming from interviews from her that she used the script and the story beats is uh outlet for her grief for the passing of her family. But if, if you're a studio exec and you're trying to assign talent to this project, what, what's one expectation that we can expect from the internet is that they're going to want the original people associated with the project to continue their vision. Like how many people would have wanted or want Dennis Vellevue to make Dune part two. Probably a lot of people, right? It'd be pretty, be kind of like a whiplash to it's have coming. someone else oh, do Dune right. Part 2. Oh my God. Yeah, I know yeah, Star Wars. Of course Star Wars has that approach where they have different creative directors come and play, they have different directors and screenwriters, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I hear a lot of complaints in the Star Wars space that they didn't keep a consistent story. Even though the story of The Matrix isn't up to part to people's standards, one thing we can probably agree on is that Lana has managed to make a linear line through all forms of media Matrix-related in telling a cohesive story. Well, in the most sense that you could put it. Now, yeah, of course the fourth movie is not all that great. I'm not here to defend it a lot, but like i said at the beginning there's a lot of good stuff in there there are so many great ideas but ultimately it led to like nothing uh now i don't want to say nothing but it didn't stick the landing because again like they just came out with something so crazy like the machines have started battling each other like whoa that's massive like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that needs to be settled in and understood for a hot second not even just From a storytelling perspective, but again, from like a fan fan point, like you just pretty much changed the rules of the universe here. Like, what Mm -hmm. what came of
5: this? It it feels like they needed a rogue one of their own, something intermittent, something Mm -hmm. that wasn't the main story, something Mm -hmm. that wasn't Neo and Morpheus and Trinity, but was something intermittent. Before all this, this movie felt like it it was kind of in the middle of everything, and they just want an excuse to pick up the franchise again, and it really just.
3: Yeah, it felt like a giant cash grab. Like even though yeah. it, yes, it, it wasn't, yeah. but it felt like it was because, like, for fuck's sake, you have Keanu Reeves come back as Neo. You have Carrie Ann Moss come back as Trinity, and like Lawrence Fishburne wasn't even in it. I mean, you have not, someone else as Morpheus? Or, like,
5: or or the or I keep forgetting his name, so bear with me. But the guy who played Mister Smith but, Hugo like, Weaving. Like it's as if both of them decided nah this is gonna be a trash fire Here, to here's the thing
3: it. here's the thing i'm gonna learn you something so hugo okay. we gonna learn a you're gonna learn me something a conflict
5: of a schedule right
3: yes like he was asked to be in the movie and he was like yeah i'll i'll be in the movie but i'm in this play right now so like can you start filming after this play has wrapped and lana wachowski was like no we'll we'll hire somebody else I,
5: and again, like I haven't watched the commentary, I haven't watched what happened. I'm sure once everybody's NDAs expire, we're gonna learn a lot more about what exactly went down. But I just can't help but feel, with all the decisions they made, whether it was by Lana, whether it was by Warner Brothers, obviously don't want to cast blame because mm-hmm. I don't. Nobody knows the details right. in depth of what happened on set. Right. But it just felt like a lot of things that happened were the product of laziness, like a product of if somebody stopped. Looked at how this dialogue reads, looked at how the lines are going, looked at how the scenes are playing out, watch the entire movie from end to end. There's a lot of scene transitions and a lot of areas that are just like you get whiplash just watching the damn thing. Like what the hell is happening? Yeah, so
6: let's actually talk about this movie because there's a lot to still unpack about this film that we haven't even touched on yet. Right. So let me
3: hold on. Hold on. Okie dokie. With Lawrence Fishburn. Like you said, like he probably passed on it. He did not pass on it. He wanted to be in the movie. He wasn't even asked to be in the movie.
7: Yeah, and keep in mind, this film had a lot of production problems going at it because right in the in the bulk of it, the COVID pandemic happened and it completely stopped production uh, on set and held up a lot of stuff. Mm. But just to put things into perspective, because one of the main criticisms that we see of the fourth film right now is that the fight scenes aren't as elaborate. It's mind boggling that they even had <laughs> the director of John Wick on site and not say like, Hey, maybe you guys could do this a little better. Um <laughs> The, the entire filming that the principal photography of the actual film took over the span of about four months. Oh my God. So, to prepare for Matrix One, the actors took four months of martial arts classes just to get ready for the scene. So, yeah. they filmed the entire fourth film in the time that it took just for the original actors to get prepared to film. So,
0: yeah, and they did that yeah.
7: after, you know, things started opening up again with COVID. And again, I'm a big believer in framing things into context. So, this movie had a lot going against it. COVID happened. This is a very valid argument, and I don't think people really understand that, or maybe warranted enough to cut it some slack. I do in this space. That's why I kind of try to highlight the good parts of the film. Again, I'm I'm not trying to say you should go watch this film. <laughs> no, <laughs> my my desire would have had to been. That this would have been, like, the Animatrix 2, but, like, 45 minutes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A very condensed version of this. This is, like, the epilogue of the third movie. And then Bugs will and her team will have their own real movie. That would have been cool. Like, this is the epilogue. Like, this is the ending. You know how Dexter just came back with New Blood Mm -hmm. to rewrite the ending for 8, season 8? Yeah. I feel like they could have taken that approach with this movie and then again really handed off the torch to open up the possibility for more stories. But, hey, the damage is done. we got to move on from here and, that, and what right. has been established. That right. that
5: leans hardcore into, though, the fact laziness because like four months of shooting versus the first movie, four months of martial arts, just preparation. Like that's so – like I get a pandemic happened, but somebody could have called that out and said – we need a lot more time to develop this The pie needs more time in the oven, so to speak.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I also wonder about like uh, Warner brothers being like, push this out on this date and there's no flexibility. Probably. Yeah.
4: I'm sure what yeah. other movies were slated and mm-hmm. what were like, I wish I paid attention to what was coming out at the time and what was the climate of like just movie theaters and whatnot. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think it was because, um, I if I'm correct I think Shang-Chi came out at the same time and I think they're like not being Marvel. So yeah, Marvel's. they were like yeah, we're not going to be Marvel, so. <laughs> right. But I think I wonder if that's uh, the kind of the pressure of a lot of other studio like kind of maybe that's why the this movie was so nostalgic. I mean, actually that's exactly why. I mean, they was suffered the same thing with Star Wars, right? Like mm-hmm. I guess uh uh, Dizzy was kind of like, well, I guess we just kind of have to make it like a little bit of a cash grab, you know, kind of make it memorable and whatnot.
3: But yeah. like, I mean, it's kind of like the fine line between like, I mean, why do movies get made to, to make, make money? money. Yeah. But like also like the creative vision of like creating art on screen. And, like, I know it's much to say for, like, a a series that's about, like, kung fu and guns and special effects. Like, oh, this this is high art. Um, I mean, with the first movie, I would argue maybe it's treading those waters. But, like, I mean, like, you could have done so much more with this fourth film. And, like, they kind of had it going on in the beginning of the movie and then just, like, abandoned it.
7: What what I don't understand is, like, studios have the means and resources to get feedback from people who are going to watch movies. And like, I remember the fallout of blade 2049 that it didn't produce the numbers. The studio wanted it to produce, even though it is legitimately one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's one of Mm -hmm. the best sci-fi films I ever put out there. It's Roger Deakins, like Opus in my point, like (laughs) it's just an absolute stellar film. But if you look at it from, how they measure success on the studio level, it's like, oh my God, this was a disaster. It was Mm -hmm. a bomb. Mm -hmm. And Dune is getting prepped to come out and everyone's like, what's the future of Dune going to be like and the future for Denny's career if it doesn't post numbers? Yeah. But what I love about Denny is that he's a creator who takes the source material and adapts it the way that like a genuine fan or someone who loves the material would, and it's not going to spare any expense or coddle the viewer to execute that vision. So when we see like star Wars, ghostbusters, literally anything from your childhood rebooted. Yeah. They'll get like a big name to come and do it. Like JJ Abrams. You know, I like the guy. I like him, but you really need someone like Denny who's going to be like very uncompromising to the vision of the work that they're adapting. And like we saw yeah. what good adaptations look through five seasons of Game of Thrones. Yeah. I- mm-hmm. So we, 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 if, if the next Matrix films come, comes out, it really needs to be someone uncompromising and vision like Danny, who's like right. this is the movie that every matrix person has ever wanted and it's just gonna be like a ton of guns and kung fu because yeah. you
3: need an artist and you need someone with a vision and had that has the balls to do something new it's it, it, it's not just like oh i need to you know do a little fan wink to like the audience <laughs> <laughs> it's also like i need to p- pivot to franchise <laughs> somewhere new. yeah exactly
6: yeah like, so that's why i feel like th- this movie needed both of the wachowskis Instead of just one, because you get this half-baked movie. It had, like, I mean, just like how like Kevin said, it has great bones, it has great ideals. It had everything that it needed, but you only had one mind on it instead of the two.
5: Right. Well, I think it also depends the politics of the studio and the politics of the studio interacting with director. Because when we talk about Denny Villeneuve, or when we talk about J.J. Abrams, when we talk about these other directors who have different relationships with their uh, studios or if you talk about the director of the mandalorian switching gears to a tv series mm-hmm. i don't know the director's name offhand but uh, you
3: imagine dave, dave filoni and john favreau
5: Dave filoni and john favreau there was a kind of dirty laundry that got aired with dave filoni and john favreau against colleen kennedy um, of disney mm-hmm. because she was over a lot of the major new films rogue one solo last jedi so forth coming out of disney and she had personal oversight of a lot of those films and personal like getting involved and kind of pushing on directors to exclude or include certain themes or certain focal points and ultimately john favreau and the other director of the mandalorian actually were one of the few directors to push back against her and essentially boycott her involvement and it got to a point where last jive when it performed so poorly they use that as a tipping point to go to the board and say, look, Mandalorian's posting numbers. Last Jedi shit the bed, period. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. you keep letting her get involved, especially Mandalorian. We will quit, and the Mandalorian will tank. So oh my God. unfortunately, a lot of directors don't have that kind of uh push, that kind of aggressiveness That's to fun. push back against kind of who are paying the bills, yeah. the studio, to actually make sure they reach their vision they want to reach. I'm not saying... Lana Wachowski got pushed over by a studio, but maybe that did happen. Maybe it's because Mm -hmm. their sibling who helped them found series was not there to push back, um, Mm -hmm. off, You know, off podcast, we were talking about major video game titles that are recently not doing too great Mm -hmm. because they seem to have gotten rushed out the door. It happens in the video game industry, which I follow a lot of journalism out of that industry, particularly Mm -hmm. tends to happen where you get companies like EA or, for example, um, Ubisoft or Blizzard who really like they try and squeeze out the numbers not from a developmental period, but from an executive decision period of, oh my God, we can sign a door so we can compete with these studios over here. So to what we were talking about regarding, maybe they wanted to push The Matrix out as soon as possible to compete with these other films coming out. I'm almost certain that's what happened. And for one reason or another, maybe because they didn't care as much, maybe because their co-director wasn't there, maybe because they didn't have the kind of influence they used to have. But uh, Lana Wachowski For some reason, given the benefit of the doubt, didn't push back against uh, that strict timeline because Denny Villeneuve, on the other hand, does. He does push back. He does say, we're doing it this way or we're not doing it at all. You can get somebody else to fuck this up if you want
3: to, if you don't want to listen to me and use my skills. Yeah. Because he has the gall to be like, you know what? He does. You have a vision.
5: Listen to his interviews. Listen to the way he talks. If you've watched any of Denny Villeneuve's interviews, he's just all out there like, We did it this way because I felt that would be the best way, period. Like, he has no... Like, working with him must both be entertaining
3: but also a nightmare because of how just in your face he is. He's a true director because, like, ultimately, what are directors? They're, like, little gods. Like, this is my world and this is how I see it. And I'm... I mean, it's a derivative from dictator. Like, he is the person or she in charge. And I'm not going to say Lana Wachowski got pushed around, but... I wouldn't be surprised, like, since her other half wasn't there, she didn't have the confidence or maybe the chuspa to be like, and, you know what, no, and we can I only, have the
5: And we can only speculate. Maybe it was both. Maybe Lana Wachowski didn't care. Maybe it was a cash grab. Maybe the studio agreed and was like, okay, whatever, do your thing. And All right, cool, it's going to make money anyways. Who knows? There's no way to really know 100% where their heart and soul was in directing the film. What we do know, however, is... The byproduct, whether it was, to Kevin's point, because the fan matter passed away, whether it was because of COVID, whether it was because the studio got greedy and pushed unreasonable deadlines. All we know, though, is the product that came out the other end was very, very subpar. So whatever reasons it may be, we can look at the first film, the second film, the third film and say, man, why did it didn't even even match up in quality to these guys? What happened?
2: Mm.
5: (laughs) It's like
3: let me just say like i know i was complaining about reloaded and revolutions <laughs> those look like citizen canes exactly. next to <laughs> That's resurrection what I'm saying. Look, look how good That's what Reloaded looks back in exactly
7: i promise you it stands I- out as like the pride of the pack. <laughs> like I said, the, like I said
5: at the beginning, when I was watching the fourth film, all I could think about every time they showed a, a flashback, which was literally just a cut pasted yeah, that segment of the really film, yeah. yeah, fifteen minutes of the old film, just remind me
3: of, man, don't you wish you were watching this instead? <laughs> For God's sake, like one of them one of the scenes was like the first film on a projection screen in the background yes, of the set, yes. and I'm like, what the fuck? How and, lazy can you be? And the thing is. They were showing Lawrence Fishburne in that sequence. Don't you wish we had this guy (laughs) instead? If
7: if you want another film to compare it to that does do callbacks really well – and not to just continue like beating a dead horse here, but Blade Runner 2049.
5: Yes, <laughs> yes,
7: yes. Frequently calls back does the first well. film, but does not explain shit to the viewer. They're just like, this is or, it. Or, or let, uh-huh. this is the Asian detective guy. If you don't know who he is, well, fuck you. <laughs> or, or, or what
5: about what about another AAA blockbuster that was around during the original Matrix trilogy being released? Lord of the Rings, mm. Return of the King does callbacks to the Fellowship. The mm. Twin Towers does callbacks to the Fellowship. Yes. They're
3: inserted tastefully they're inserted well they're inserted for a reason because you know why because they were all filmed at the same time so like there was a consistent yeah. vision a consistent look that. And with and a consistent director, I mean, mm-hmm. yes. And then making a movie 18 years after you concluded the, the sequel. It should have
7: been
5: something
3: completely different. Some, so yes. they
7: say you yes. can give the same script to three different directors and get three different movies, Ooh. which is very, very valid, right? I, yeah. I think that's what we're touching up on is this. The Matrix would have benefited from a new perspective, a new director.
5: Resurrections particular.
7: Yeah, Resurrections particular. Now, say I give the Resurrection script as is to three different directors. Do you think this movie is still salvageable?
5: I think so. With I th- with the script as is, so I,
7: all the ugly bits we're talking about is still there. But I think say like you give it to a Denny, say you give it to a JJ. Or, I think
2: a
5: Rian. I think if you gave it to Denny and you gave them the time and the budget they needed to achieve their vision of how that script should look on the other end, I think Denny Villeneuve would have knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I think it would have been a far better
4: film. I I also think that the fourth one. I think it could have used an aesthetic update, like a cinematography update, because just to also kind of, like, take it back. um,
7: Was it all digital and film or film and digital? uh, I just know it looked like shit. Yeah, there were some uh, shots that were, like, really good, and then some uh,
5: that were, like... (laughs) And and we're not going to get into it. I definitely want to talk about the costume design and how they didn't even try in that either, but go on. I will say
6: that, that... Morpheus was dripping in swag.
4: Yeah.
5: Oh, for sure! No, no, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah that,
4: awesome outfits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just kind of felt like the, the, um, oh man, I would say that about the fourth movie that I, fuck, I'm sorry, I to hold
3: on. What it is? is it? Uh, <laughs> While you remember, I will say also Bugs and Lexi look good. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, Bugs. Are cool.
6: I mean, Bugs is just a badass in the yeah. entire movie. Like. Mm-hmm give me a reboot with her as the main character, because that's who we see in the beginning. And she's like, she's like seeing the Trinity loop and everything. And I'm thinking, okay, this is like the future of the matrix is this girl bugs. But if I were to, you know, come back and take a step back that scene in particular, I was thinking, okay, this is the Trinity fight scene that everyone knows that everyone copies in Hollywood as like a parody of some sort but it's not actually the Trinity. It's another version of Trinity. And I'm thinking, wait, is this like the next rendition of the one and that story Mm -hmm. is, is this is,
3: are they tapping into this because Neo's dead and blah, blah, blah. that's how you pass on the torch. But instead they continued the story in the worst possible way. Right. Diego. Um, I
4: guess I'm just, uh, thank you. I guess, uh, I guess I just, I guess I'm just hurt. Uh. <laughs> this is just really hard. You know what? So in, excuse me. So
6: in, in, so in terms of like cinematography, oh, what I think I it actually lacked was that's that what, that like green filter that we see in oh, all right. three of them. Yeah, probably saw you know? some of that at least. We, we see yeah. it for like a smidge. Okay, it's like thrown in there like. Here and when there. they're talking about like how good the original Matrix is, when people yeah. think <laughs> about the Matrix, ba- basically, basically. But then there's like times when everything is like super saturated, and you're like, this isn't the Matrix. Like the Matrix is supposed to be like, right? You know, it's taking a whole bunch s- of blue and, pills. Like, no, like like dark and like depressing and just like that's how they make out the Matrix to be. It's in supposed the first to be dystopian, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting, like that's why I loved the Matrix because. You have this like, yeah, like a a, a dystopian um, society, and you're trying to escape it. Whereas these characters are like, oh yeah, this is great. I don't, I don't want to leave this. Okay,
2: All right.
7: Mm-hmm. This this is for my lore fanatics out there because maybe you guys picked this up in the film. I didn't. Is it ever actually explained how Zion like falls? No. They mentioned they're like. Yeah, machines are turning violent again. They started going to war at each other. Now we got a new city. I'm like, well,
5: what happened boy, to Zion? what happened to
7: Zion? And I rewinded it like three times. Did not explain it. That's no that's mention. my criticism out there on the <laughs> on the lore front. What happened to Zion? Show
6: me. Well, wait, are we talking about Zion, the in the fourth movie? Like how they talk about it? No. So yeah, they they basically say, well, okay, we know after. The third movie, Zion is saved because Neo does his Superman thing and kills Smith and everything else. And then we see in the fourth one in the flashback with N- Niobe, right? Noble. Niobe? Niobe. Well, oh. Jada Smith, yes, Jada Pinkett Smith. Whatever, and and she's the one that would
5: <laughs> Damn,
6: and and she's and Will Smith's being cucked by her. Yes, no.
2: <laughs> and, and, and and she's and she's
6: <laughs> so she's talking about how the machines are battling each other, right? That's what we were talking about earlier, and but Zion is just kind of like, hey, like Neo saved us. Nothing's gonna happen to us. It didn't didn't fall,
5: right? Then sixty years is gone.
3: Yeah, but like, then now it's this new city called Io, and I am like. Wait, what mm-hmm. what happened to Zion? Doesn't that mean that the cycle was broken though? The cycle was broken and
6: all that happened was they took away the Z and the N and now the humans and the machines oh, are working God. together making strawberries. Like that I, that's really all that it I is.
5: There there's just so many themes <laughs> that they could have used that they just it felt like the best analogy I can think of in this context is you had somebody reading some great work of literature mm-hmm. and they decided to tear 90 percent of the pages out of every chapter and say here's the header for this theme so read war and peace read um any other major work of literature off the top of my off the top of your head you can think of just tear all the pages out leave the top header of the theme mm-hmm. and just kind of brief them on it and this is what the theme is that's it Resurrections does that with, it like, seems, every single theme they try and touch on. There's good themes here. There's really solid themes, really solid political, philosophical, um, that they could have worked with, they could have done more with. But it just felt like, again, they were just the headers, like, mm-hmm. like the whole, zion not existing and there being a new city that's not focused on war but it's focused on peace and focused on a new way of life that's a theme they just touch on it, done it could have focused on resurrection itself and how they find new leaders new people in in this new generation again they touch on it, they move on it's just they do that throughout the entire movie it's touched on then they just drop it and walk away
3: it almost feels like designed by committee but it's not it's one person creating this movie
5: or, or one person again, giving the director the benefit that one person immensely pressured by a shitty studio. You need to
3: do all these things. You need to touch
5: upon
7: all,
3: all these, these
5: things. things. Make all these things happen, because I I never want to blame the directors of Disney for the new Star Wars that came out.
7: I, I sp- will blame them.
5: Well, <laughs> no, let let I I'd, I'd blame Kathleen Kennedy instead, because it's been leaked in numerous emails now of how she was given complete agency to breathe down directors necks and basically tell them to do x y and z like right. that's come because, out pretty
3: widely dang, she maybe? fired two directors yeah exactly she fired the original Chris director Theria. for solo and then she actually fired gareth uh, edwards for, for not for, for not one for not doing what she wanted them to do so the directors
5: of mandalorian Last Skywalker, they went to the board after Last Skywalker failed and people found us out because there were a bunch of staff. And I think in the directors probably orchestrated this to leak emails to the public of this kind of exchanges that were happening, saying how she was basically trying to get them to f- fall in line. Find
2: these leaks.
5: And, and they would w- find these leaks. And they, they went to the board and said, look, we're turning profits. We're bringing out viewers. We're essentially giving Disney plus a float. Mm-hmm. So you let her breathe down our necks too much. We'll just quit and it'll sink.
4: Um, it's just so random, but it just reminds me of, uh, this kind of, um, this guy who I watch for Call of Duty videos, kind of just talking about like the community and changes right. and all this shit.
3: Moist Critical.
4: And. Is it Moist Critical? <laughs> Nick Merch. No, Act no, Man. no, no. It's uh, Man. <laughs> it's exclusive base. <laughs> um, okay. But, um, he, uh, one of the things he was talking about was that the way that now the, some AAA title, uh, AAA, uh, game studios are trying to, are going by the metrics and collecting data, right? Yep. Is that they're saying, hey, for this challenge, um, go in, in 15 different matches, do this 10 different times. Now, the thing is, is that you can be as trash or you can be as good as you are. As soon as you hit those 10, your challenge for that game is done. And if you leave mid-game, you will forfeit. You could be at like... 14 games and if you leave that fifteenth game you have to start over so they're trying to measure people by they're trying to really just like get uh, their metrics are false in the fact that they're just focusing on new subscribers yep. and people who are just like it putting time in and not the quality and yeah yeah so so, yeah. so coming back to
5: the matrix it essentially is a commoditization mm. of The product of the film of the video game of anything that gets released you have a big company paying the bills yeah they want to commoditize that brand just like you said armand warner brothers approached lon and said we're gonna do a fourth film with or without you right it's like okay
3: well that's something that that's i mean i don't blame her for making this movie because it's like you feel like you have to make this movie it's like well i made the trilogy I feel like I should be making the fourth movie. Did does anybody found out what happened to her sister? Like, did she, like, see the
5: blood in the water and was like, you do I, you? I, so. I was going to
7: Google the story. I forgot what was the exact situation. I do know that Warner Brothers had wanted to be Matrix 4 for a very long time. Of and course. I, I do know that they had approached her and they'll, like, you know, jump on the project. Yes, no, and things were running out the clock, but... I think what we saw here was kind of like the same situation that we see with George Lucas and his direction and control with Star Wars because, like, the prequels was basically, like, him doing whatever he wanted and depending on what side of that fandom you lie on, they're either the best or the worst movies you've ever seen. I think Lana, as a creative, probably would have been – That would have benefited with the same type of controls that were exerted over George Lucas when he made the original trilogy, which were, hey, you know, we're fans of your work. The original work you put out was great, but here's how we think we can improve it or like trim the fat. Because I don't know if you guys have – it sounds like you're a fan of leaks, maybe saw the leaks of like what Star Wars (sighs) Force Awakens was going to be about. By George Lucas's standards, it was awful. Like, it wasn't good. Really? In fact, like, George Lucas yeah. <laughs> is a That's questionable storyteller. Tale- like, if you think the Matrix was cringe, you have no idea what was about to happen for Star Wars. Let me just put it <laughs> that way. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was Matrix level cringe. Matri- yeah, it was, that. it was going to be bad. I mean, I guess the sequel trilogy we got now is like the best case scenario, but what I'm getting at is, Maybe Lily was that counterpart to her that was the rein. and I don't know. I mm-hmm. haven't read enough interviews or heard enough to, to comment on it, but I do think that when a franchise has been established for a significantly long amount of time that has transcended generations, when you do pump out a sequel like this, it is very important to have perspective of people who are like passionate fans or um, they hold great... Uh, respect for the material that was written beforehand. And like, I again, the door is open. Matrix five maybe will be sick. I know she doesn't want to make another one. That's pretty apparent. Like, there's no contract in place for I, Matrix I, I five. Mean, I
5: mean, ideally the fourth one bob's so bad. We'll see if that's one. <laughs> no, like, we'll get into here's it the thing it is, the here's the
7: thing is we may not like the film. Kids are going to like it. Like, Hmm. you have I to understand know. we are not I didn't the main became... audience the, the, the target, target be...
3: demo for matrix is not children
0: right
7: yeah, was even weird. though it we all 1999
3: five-year-old me is in there like because <laughs> we weren't we <laughs> weren't supposed to watch that movie <laughs> it was kind of like the 4 <laughs> it it fruits art, right? exactly. it was yes, art yes. right
6: and it i mean for some of us like kevin myself we just kind of got thrown into it seen it in theaters right because I mean, adult accompanied. Exactly. So like, I don't know like Kevin's parents, but I know my parents, they're like, Oh yeah, go check it out. It looks pretty cool. And my, (laughs) my, my friend that I saw it with him and his dad, his dad is also someone who is a deep thinker, like Mm. philosophical questioning everything like this. So he saw it. And then as I said, he brought us to go see it again. And I, I mean, looking back at at it now, I know why he wanted to see it again because it has all these different themes, right, but going going into this fourth one, there's a lot of passionate fans that were upset, right. My favorite character was basically shit on in this fourth movie, which one the Merovingian
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean he was a hobo essentially so, yeah,
6: so but the, I mean, if you look back at it, he's one of like the top five most powerful people in the trilogy, yeah and he has like a two like second blurb basically in this movie and he's like rambling and shit yeah
5: he's a he's a, he's a he's a rogue ai in the movie with a ton of power and the matrix can't find him they can't terminate him like he has this massive network of information that even the survivors are using him they're using his information he has to he gets to bargain with them like
6: right that entire scene actually felt like an off-broadway play I mean, just the way that it was directed, yeah. choreographed, it looked like something that I would see off-Broadway that would yeah. never be on Broadway. Right. But, like, someone was like, oh, this sounds pretty cool. Let's do it. Right. And that's all I got out of that. Jeez. But I, I was heartbroken. I was like, I love this guy. Like, he's giving women orgasm cake. Like, jeez. Yes. Like, <laughs> I this yeah. man, he's yeah. like, he's like cause and effect. I drink wine. I must piss. Like like such a bad motherfucker. Like this guy was a badass and now he's like a hobo like eating hot dog
3: buns. Like come on. Many moments in this movie. Y- you're watching it and you're like what the hell am I watching? What
5: were they thinking? This
3: is a Matrix movie? Like what?
7: Here's the thing is that the movie
3: yes, I remember defend it, Kevin. Hey, no,
7: not I'm not <laughs> defending defend if anything it. I'm about to like kick it in its knee. <laughs> I remember being Caught off guard with the meta ness, like right off in the open. Yeah, mm-hmm. and at first i I was I was, I was talking there about it. it. I I enjoyed it in the beginning because I was like, "What the hell? This is so funny!" Like they outright said Warner Brothers, and that for me just <laughs> as like a fanatic of films, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And it wasn't only until like the movie slowed down for a bit that I slowed down, and I'm like, "Are these reactions that I would be expecting while viewing uh, a movie of The Matrix?" Like, should I be laughing at the film? And I was laughing a lot. Like, I was having a good time, but maybe not in the good time you would expect one to be having for The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is this is just the point of where we are in movie-making films. Like, everyone is very hyper-aware. This is, like, very Gen Z. Maybe I'm just getting old here and I really want my kung fu scenes again. Maybe
5: you're the boober. Yeah.
7: <laughs> and and it, it. here's the thing is it did manage to do the very Matrix thing because in the movie – those game developers are arguing amongst themselves, well, what makes the Matrix the Matrix? As I'm having the same debate in my head while I'm watching their movie. So I, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I don't know how to disseminate it because it's so meta in your face. Yeah. It is either insulting to you, hilarious to you, or really does make you ponder a few things.
3: And you know what? I'm going to say it right now. That is Art. Because like when you look, when you go in the art institute and you look at the painting, you're having a conversation either with someone else or with the painting itself. It's a conversation to be had. And with the matrix four, you're having that conversation with yourself, maybe with other people, with us right now. Like we're, we're, we're having this conversation about this film. And you know what? It elicited that reaction with you. I would say that in itself is art because art. At the core is a conversation. Mm-hmm. Definitely, except the
6: masses are having the same exact conversation about this film.
3: But like, if it was, I mean, it's, it's whether it was good or not, we're still talking about the movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm entertained by
6: everything that I watch. I've only walked out or stopped one movie in my entire life. and that was Bruno the one with Megan Fox Yeah. (laughs) so I mean I mean I've not seen that movie but I've only walked out of one movie my entire life and that's Bruno and I was like when the dick started going in the helicopter (laughs) motion yeah basically but like no but like I stayed in the movie theater (laughs) basically Armand was like "Ah, unzip
2: (laughs) Um, I can enjoy this but like
6: I I try to go into all movies, and I said this on our our last podcast. Like I go in open mind, I take it for what it is, just to yeah. be entertained. And based like this, this like little curse that I have within my own self is that if I try to watch something again, it's hard for me to click play on something because I know how everything already plays out, and mm. I can recall like every single scene front to back. I'm like, why do I want to watch this again? So. I forced myself to watch Matrix 4 this morning even though I didn't really enjoy it <laughs> but it was entertaining. So if you're someone who's not going to like dive into like the lore and you know everything else that the the whole series gives everyone it's still entertaining.
4: Okay. I'm on the side of when I watch this movie I felt insulted.
7: <laughs> you're new at it. Like you um, should be talking the most about it. I, I, I like you, we were basically born in the Matrix over here. You're a natural body. So you're I
4: guess, <laughs> like, I guess, like it's kind of maybe because I'm just. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like the biggest. I'm just not that impressed. I feel yep. like, I feel like it's. It's just too meta within the real world of money, of cash grab. And I really liked the first one for the reason why I love Dune. And that's that philosophical, that mystery, that like that oh the overwhelming amount of mystery, right? And the um spirituality with it too. And the thing is, is that well, I mean okay so I guess we'll, we'll also I'll I'll kind of bring you guys into my eyes and what it is that I see as well. Um I see a white guy behind a computer screen on being a kung fu master like no give me the give me the appropriate character like I don't this just does just just feels like kind of not in the eyes of how I would see myself yeah. like as the one and I'm like this is This is like I. I feel bad, but I. I don't mean to again. I don't mean to like just bash the shit out of it. I just felt like movie is trash. It just was unreal. I just kind of felt like so. So
6: yeah, I'd say so. Actually, before Keanu Reeves accepted Neo, Will Smith turned down Neo.
4: I thought it was for Lawrence Fishburne that uh, Will Smith. Will Smith was Um, was supposed to be Neo. That was gonna. That would have been. I Uh, feel like it would have been better.
3: Yeah. With Will Smith? I, I, th- I mean, I, I mean, like I said like, before, I, the Fresh Pins of Bill I,
5: I think, personally, no matter who they took, I think everybody saw the blood in the water, and I, th- even though Florence Fishburne wasn't asked, I think he's fine they didn't ask, yeah. and even though I keep forgetting his name, Hugo... Hugo Weaving. Hugo mm-hmm. Weaving, even though he was like, oh, I'm too busy, I'm pretty sure he's okay with the fact that he didn't get included. Like, yeah. I feel like yeah. there were some warning signs in beginning and we can analyze it till the sun comes up, but I'm still gonna maintain a position of it's a low quality product.
7: Here's the thing is it's- if you by somehow cared about the rumors that were going around about the development of the Matrix 4, early on you could tell that there was going to be problems. Like a mile away I knew not to have high expectations of what was to come. I was just gonna be grateful that something was going to be released and mm-hmm. I was going to get more of the story of of a franchise that I enjoyed. But I think with this film, like it's very much a product of its time. The first matrix is spot on to what like people's perceptions were and anxieties were of 1999. Mm -hmm. And I still do strongly believe that those anxieties and fears or, you know, fantasies that people have while they're at work still apply today. Again, I just think the execution was missed I don't know if that was necessarily the director's fault because I don't don't believe a director goes into a movie and they're like, I'm going to make the worst piece of shit that's ever been put out there. I'm going to waste two hours of people's time.
3: Maybe (laughs) they're just creatively bankrupt. Maybe they're just like, you know, I'm just burnt out on this series. I need a new story. here's,
7: Here's my argument in the defense of Lana is that she can adapt good material, her and her sister. There's a phenomenal film that was way ahead of its time called Speed Racer. Came out in two thousand six.
4: Yeah, Speed Racers if, looks. If amazing. you
7: ever watched the original anime or even like the successive shows, that movie did the absolute best that they that anyone could ever do in adapting the absolute batshit craziness and quirkiness of what speed racer is like if you watch the show
3: the original one
7: it's almost like comical to you like how absurd it is you know what i was
3: insulted when the live action movie came out because i grew up on speed racer watching it on cartoon network and i was like what the fuck is this (laughs) i dude like try try tackling
7: something as difficult as speed racer i i strongly believe that film did justice by the material insulted
3: the mach 5 god damn it Dude, this-
7: Amelia Hirsch did a great job.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I love
7: John Goodman. His
4: papa was perfect. I would also say the the part where he's racing against his brother as a ghost, extremely <laughs> emotional. Like, oh my god. Yeah,
7: I mean, she she knocked it out of the ballpark with with Speed Racer. So that's why I say, like, no no director goes in there with the intention of making a bad movie. No, what, no, whatever happened here, there was a and- lot of forces. Outside of Lana, that contributed and, to this.
5: And going back to one of our other parallel conversations, comparing a different industry, different medium. No game developer goes in it to make a shitty game. It just doesn't work that way. Nobody goes in and write a book that's going to be shitty either. Have you heard of Dice? No, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard
7: of Three Four Three? Stop.
5: Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you heard of Blizzard? <laughs> no, I like. I just as a subpar product. That's that's how I saw it. You know, solid. I, I if I had a choice It's, it's not a good movie. I'm gonna say that it's not, it's not a good movie. It's you know? not I would never watch it again. If somebody was had it on, I'd be like, this us put on something else. It's just no, not I, good.
7: I think I've established that I love The Matrix, and when I rewatched yeah. it the past 24 hours ago, I wanted to fast forward parts, and I feel yeah. sad wanting to do that.
5: It, I felt sad watching it. Like I watched it with a couple friends over the holidays, you know, had some family over and it was almost entirely a mix of comedy and sadness. Mm-hmm. Sadness of the people there who really love The Matrix, were really into it, myself included. And comedy of those who've never seen it, like, what the fuck is this? This is so bad, it's funny. Like, know, that's how how poor of a product it yeah, is. So I, I, I was actually
6: watching yeah. it when it came out the morning of, as I'm suffering from COVID... <laughs> Huh. And I felt even more deflated <laughs> about halfway through it. That's well,
5: or yeah. what, what was that one scene? I think the scene where I realized it's not going to get any better. Because if you ever watch a really, really terrible film, I'm sure we all have had this experience of watching a terrible film, and you're waiting for that moment. Like, okay, well, it's going to get better. And you're waiting for it to get better. And at some point in the movie, like you're on a road trip that just is destined to fail, mm-hmm. you realize, oh, it's not going to get better. General
7: Niobe was that moment. <laughs> yes. Hands down. When General, I saw that makeup, you know, I was like, they didn't care. You said laziness. How could they do yeah, that?
4: Yeah, I thought the makeup did look a little like, I could still see It you. was old person makeup. Yeah. It, it was, was old old so really bad.
6: what did it for me? There were two scenes. Um One scene, it was with Morpheus and Bugs. And they were in what resembled the Keymaker's, like, hallway of doors. Yeah. Right? Door. And it was, like, a split frame where it looks like it was shot on an iPhone <laughs> because there's literally nothing that actually, like, takes away, like, okay, this was shot on a cell phone and an actual, like, cinema, mm-hmm. like, set rig. Yeah. And then there was a scene on the train when they are in Tokyo doing, like, this huge firefight. And there were two That's characters... Never saw them again the rest of the movie, but like this one girl like bends over backwards to shoot someone, right? And they extended the shot on it, and they're just like posing there basically. And they like flip back,
5: no, they, they were there again, they were there during the zombie scene, yeah, left.
7: left okay, for Matrix. okay, yes. Matrix so, zombies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I it. oh, the
6: whole the whole zombie thing is something someone else can touch on, but I'm just like, what the, what the fuck is this? Is this is this
3: 28 days later again? Like, come on. <laughs> You know, all I have to say is with this movie, I enjoyed the first half. And like right when we get to, I remember because I paused the movie because I was like, I want to make a note when this movie became dog shit. And it was (laughs) that point. It was one hour and 10 minutes into the film. And, you know, I slogged through the next hour because it's a two and a half hour movie. And you know what? Because I was watching it with my girlfriend. And you know, I paused it. There's 30 minutes left. And I was like, you know what? Life is short and I don't have time for this garbage. And like it took me days later to watch the last 30 minutes because like <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I was like, you know what, oh, this movie man. is so bad. And you know what? I was gonna be like, you know what? I didn't watch the ending of the movie because it was so bad. Because like, you know, I saw this review of the movie by uh Zizek, our, you know, one of our great philosophers of our time. He made this uh Post and I'm gonna read it because, like, I don't want to mince words. So, this is what he said. He was like, It was boringly postmodern and an I- ideological fantasy. Like, the film is ultimately not worth seeing, which is why I also wrote this review without watching it. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I wish I didn't watch this movie. So,
6: that is pretty savage, and he's not wrong definitely not wrong I mean, just how thanos wasn't wrong (laughs) but um
2: yeah i mean hot
6: take hot take but i mean (laughs) if you if you go into it with an open mind but i mean shit i watched it for the second time this morning and my girlfriend was you know on the couch watching it and i was like oh wait you've never seen the first three i'm sorry that you're watching this she's like I'm not even interested in this. (laughs) I'm like, and this is like the most least depressing dark version of the matrix films. And it's like playful. And like, it's the first one where they actually introduce some sort of light humor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, this is what killed it for me. Yep. It's the matrix for a new generation and no one gives a fuck. Exactly. So it had this dark depressing vibe to it. This new matrix movie installment, um Fortnite? It was fortnite It you know you know why? Because Fortnite is super saturated. Fortnite is yes. violent with light humor.
3: And yes. that's what this movie is. It's a Fortnite Matrix. So so you're saying that Neo is gonna be a skin on Fortnite soon? They can buy with the battle pass. It, most, likely. most likely. Most likely, yeah. yeah, yeah. But
6: here's the thing. We got Matrix 4 and tired Keanu Reeves. Pretty soon we're going to get John Wick for, and that movie's going to be tits. It's going to be insane. It's going to be like watching the girls gone wild, like <laughs> commercials when you're six,
7: and you're like, holy <laughs> shit, this is amazing. So I, I was wondering, I, I saw it on HBO Max. Did everyone else watch yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. I did not know. Fuck so this, this phenomenon, I guess, has been, to see him, maybe right? it's been affecting okay, me a little bit more recently because of the pandemic, but how you feel about movies after you watch watched them, does it make an impact if you paid a movie ticket to see it versus watching it at home? Because, for example, I saw Wonder Woman 1984, and I was livid that I spent that much time watching it because I disliked it that much. But I thought to myself, imagine if I had paid to go see it. Now, granted, I know I'm paying my subscription to HBO Go, but... Would you have hated the matrix more if you saw it in theaters versus
3: at home? Yes. Because like I saw, okay, I'll never forget this. I saw battle Los Angeles in theaters and I was so stoked for it because the trailer is amazing. And like I went, I brought like seven of my friends. I was like, this movie's going to be great. And within the first five seconds, I was like, Oh shit, it'll get better. 30 did, minutes passed by. It'll get did, better. Did
5: the friends you bring force you to pay for drinks afterwards? Hold on. How about this?
6: <laughs> how about this? What? You and I saw The Last Je- Jedi together.
2: Ooh.
5: We saw
6: The Last <laughs> Jedi together. Yeah. I remember. Right? Uh-huh. And then where did we go eat afterwards to talk shit about it? Long John Silver. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well,
7: Applebee's. What a, no.
6: what,
5: a, what a way to cap an experience.
6: Where did <laughs> we go? We went to Friday's.
0: Oh my God. Uh, no, I'm joking.
6: I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. We were at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, but we were just as mad. We here's the thing. Here's the thing. We we were livid for longer than the movie was yeah. eating chicken wings, talking about how mad we were at spending that money to watch that rendition of Star Wars. My friend
3: went to the manager. Like he didn't accompany us to uh, B dubs, <laughs> but like he was like talking to the manager to get his money back. Oh <laughs> I remember damn. that because I almost went
6: up there too, but I saw like twenty other people going doing the same thing and I was like, let's go get some wings.
5: <laughs> it's like, I want to deny the studio of money. Yeah, I'm, I'm so bad. Yeah, so,
6: so going back to the question, like if I paid money to see this, yeah,
5: I, I would be I'd be pissed. I'd be, pissed.
6: I, uh, I'd be like, Okay, yep. can I get this money back? And I did that with Bruno. When I walked out of Bruno, I got my money back. First time I've ever done that. And I felt kind of cool doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I would probably feel the same way after seeing The Last yeah. Jedi. I'd be pissed.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
5: I'm just glad that the HBO membership description we watched was on somebody else's. <laughs> it was on family members. Oh, it was like, oh, mooch- we just signed my account. And I'm like, all right, cool. I don't have to pay for this in case it's shit. Nice. Oh, my nice. God. Then I I do feel
7: bad when I do see a good movie then on HBO go like for example the Suicide Squad that was like the the new, best the new show one I have, I have to watch that okay. I have, you it's, know what? It, it's it's for sure the best DC film. Um, out there. And I felt guilty after finishing it that I saw it on, on HBO Max instead of theaters. Cause I was like, well, shit, I thought it was going to be like crap. <laughs> I feel guilty right
3: now saying this. Like, so the other day I was like, you know what? I, you know, the Suicide Squad, I was like, I heard it's pretty good. Looks better than the other Suicide Squad. The, movie. the
5: original one. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And I turned it on and I was like, you know what? Many times in my life, I'm starting to feel this way. I, I was watching it within the first five minutes. I was like, I feel too old watching this. Hmm. i do that with tv shows like yeah, the cw shows Oh uh, yeah i was like you know what i feel hold on you felt that way with this matrix no with uh the, the suicide, suicide squad oh suicide Squad! i was like okay. this is fucking dumb and i the turned James on Gunn? the crown and i loved it
6: <laughs> yes <laughs> okay so if we're going to talk about the crown this kid right here has like a million hot takes about the crown but only when he's high nice
4: have Some not guys. seen the crown but i it's pretty what, awesome i would um what was right before the crown
3: the... Just, There's a lot of things right, right before the. Crash. The Suicide Squad that we were talking about.
4: Right, right, right. I
3: um,
4: the Suicide Squad was was a lot of fun. The James Gunn one, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm watching Peacemaker. The, the right good. Now. I, I, heard, I, I my mind Peacemaker is Peacemaker only West. one Suicide Squad. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> Eagle with, and its with name. Sha- Eagly. <laughs> Eagly, dude. I was like, yeah. There was a part where I thought Eagly was gonna get shot and be like, I'm not gonna watch this shit anymore. Anyway, so
3: sorry. Getting back to the Matrix, let's. Let's get to the final segment now. Let's get off the fence on some big issues. How did the film hurt you? (laughs) (laughs) Where did it hurt? Can you you show me on a Franco doll where it hurt you? I I
2: was going to say.
3: (laughs) I did have sex with my students, and I know that was bad. God damn it, James Franco. Anyways, we're getting off the fence. First question. You know, With Matrix 4 Mm -hmm. coming out, do you think there will be more Matrix films? Kevin, I'll start with you.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Um, even with, even with the bad reception, I think everyone's kind of gotten the gist of, uh, look at it from the perspective of Star Wars. Okay. We have a massive franchise. When you have a franchise of that level, the train does not stop. Once the gates open, the, the horses are out. So. Lana may not be interested in making another film, but they've already established enough new world building for another story to be told. The interest is definitely there. I know it didn't post massive numbers, but you can't sit here and tell me that if a young upcoming like Alex Garland gets involved into the Matrix, all of a sudden like a gritty – Love letter, no back to the original Matrix trailer drops. It's only like 30 seconds, and the tagline's like, Follow the White Rabbit again. You're telling me you're not going to get hyped one more time. You're not going to get curious again.
3: Mm. Maybe you'll finally exercise your choice of free will to watch it or not watch it. Do you want to know more? Pete, how about you? Do you think there's going to be more Matrix movies? I definitely think so.
6: I think because of the different ways that these films or a limited series could go. I think yes. I mean, it could be a movie, it could be a series, whatever you want to make it. But I think there's so much mystery and fascination just behind like simulation theory as one example that draws people back to the Matrix because it's like, okay, let's jump into this taboo. Right? Nice. So for me, that's why I love watching the Matrix series because I love the whole simulation theory behind it. Mm. I love the action. Mm. I love the the conflict back and forth. I, I love all of that. Whoa, um, whoa. whoa, and uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm cool to see where where it goes. Um, this is the last Jedi Matrix movie, basically. I think it can only get I don't better. Think so. I, I I think mm-hmm. so. I mm-hmm. think so.
3: Okay, Josh, how about you?
5: I hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. Um, yeah. with a caveat there, I hope that it will be the last. Matrix movie done in this formula basically I want this to be last since we're drawing on Disney Star Wars references I want this to be the last Skywalker saga equivalent in Matrix so if they're going to take the same universe and boot it into different characters different timelines different periods when things were happening like if they could do a whole movie telling the origins of the matrix like the animatrix one instead of doing two like 30 minute shorts do a three-hour movie where you cover the entire conflict where you cover how it started where you cover like the start of the matrix and end it on Mm -hmm. the machines beginning their harvesting of humans that would be amazing just like i'd love an old republic movie set in star wars universe Mm. that's Uh, how it works like that's that's my mindset I really hope not. I hope it's last in the Skywalker saga of the Matrix. But if they decide to do something brand fresh new, you know, with different director, different story, different timeline, I'm all for it. Because I think the universe has a lot of meat on it.
6: Yeah, totally. So just to, like, piggyback off of that, yeah, that's, I think, the best way to continue the Matrix into the future, really. Mm-hmm. Um, do some origin stories of whoever – like. I would love to see an actual, more like, Morpheus origin origin story. story yeah, like wow. that would be sick. Give me, I don't, I don't. Give me a Smith origin. Like the whole concept of writing Smith into the matrix. What I don't, I don't care. Like, right. give me something like that. Give me something like The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Give me something like Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the doors are there. I think the the Wachowskis just got to be like, okay, yeah, take it and run.
5: Yeah, and being as advisors, both of them, consultants, honest, yeah, consultants, advisors, yeah, creatives,
3: consultants. Yeah, executive producer, mm-hmm. but not the person in charge. Diego, how about you? Um,
4: I think, um, I would, I would need to see like a rebrand. You know, like I need to see I. It's tough because, like, I know. um I know. You experienced the series in what, like, a span of a year? I like a week and a half. A I watched the whole. Yeah, I watched <laughs> like the whole. You
7: gotta let that simmer first, son. <laughs> yeah,
4: I, I know, but I guess at the same time, like, I, I would definitely would like to see. um Man, I don't know. I, I think I would just like to. You're the future of the audience,
7: in all seriousness. Like, what's mm-hmm. an ideal Matrix movie for you?
4: Oh, this is ex- – I like this. This is exciting. An ideal Matrix movie for me, um, I think, honestly, the one of the – man, I, I mean, it's just something unrelated to what we see now, mm-hmm. right? No, no nostalgia. Like no callbacks. I think the callbacks I would like to see is within the, more within the cinematography mm. and not mm-hmm. so much within the language and the yeah. script because that hurts from, that hurts <laughs> watching that for me because it's like that you, you, uh, you chose to not practice a creative liberty to do something well, which, you know, you had said like follow the right white, white rabbit again. No offense. I don't, I don't want any of that. <laughs> I want the same experience that you had. Of complete and total mystery. I have no idea what's going on. Like, I know eventually, like technically, if you rebrand it, it's still going to be um just rehashing it, but mm-hmm. I think it could have been a deeper rebrand. I just would have yeah. kept a lot of the things that made the Matrix the Matrix, which was bullet time, cinematography, uh Gung Fu. <laughs> I would also I know also I'm, I I know that like the Oracle and like the architect are like really big players and I don't know how much more like that needs to be like said to me, but there was, you know, that some of those were a little confusing too. So yeah, I would, I think I'd like to see a a reintroduction to some world building that we're unfamiliar with and. like sexy, like a sexier film i thought the first one was cinematography wise was sexy you know when you see yeah. the cubicles everywhere and you see like a lot of repetition it's got like
5: a green filter over it yeah, right? yeah. yeah.
7: <laughs> any scene with trinity and her bikes like you're like holy shit that ducati is nuts yes like yes. motorcycle enthusiasts got involved with that mm-hmm. they didn't really put a big emphasis on the motorcycle scene this time around even though it was pretty lengthy it was just like uh, Neo using his force fields every 30 seconds because that's all he could do. Right, that's all movie. he could do.
4: Yeah. Oh, you know, oh, actually, I did think you was, were talking
7: about insults. That was insulting to me. Just like, which, which was again? The, force fields for everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, like, see, Oh shit, people force field.
4: <laughs> and at that point, I wish, like, I'm just going to bring in one of my, uh, something I love. I wish, like, at that point, Neo had, like, a stand at that point, you know, like, this is a JoJo reference. Like it, it, <laughs> it, like it feels like if, you know, like Neo, his physical body just doesn't feel like he can do like much more. So I think it's also interesting that within the Matrix, within this new rebooted version of the Matrix, you're not allowed to like really change what you look like. like. I don't know. It just it feels like for a lot of things like for within Ready Player One where you can add in shit and you can just yeah. be whoever you want. I feel like in the sense of the overworld of creating an online world, that's a new concept that could have been um, introduced within the Matrix series, like how the world that we live in, would have reflected that world also growing up and right. also kind of updating as
3: yeah, well. it's it, This movie is a massive missed opportunity because, like, in the day and age that we live in, we are about to enter in the metaverse. And, like, you could have had a commentary with that and, like, virtual reality. And oh, like, my God, that's huge. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Lana Wachowski either has doesn't know about this stuff because of her age, but, like, it just – you could have talked about that. You could have unpacked that whole theme, but instead it's kind of like rehashing what was done 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like you could have had a new conversation. So yeah. as a
7: new viewer, would would it be easier for you or would it be more enticing for you to be reintroduced to the universe through a different medium of storytelling? Like say a video game or another animatrix, anime short film or a book or a book you know, like what what would it take for you to like get interested again, to hook into? Mm. Like Peter over here is heartbroken, so he's playing like sad songs, Adele twenty four. So actually,
6: <laughs> actually speaking on that, the new Matrix concept game. Oh, what's which, so? which was oh, teased yeah. Unreal with Unreal. Yeah. yeah, so Unreal has done something that I would like to touch on when we talk about simulation theory. If we're in a simulation, cause we're, we're going to get into we're going to get to that, that right. Yeah. So. Like that is something that I've been wanting my entire life ever since I saw the first Matrix movie. I was like, if I could have an open world video game where I could just have a sandbox environment, Mm -hmm. not even be Neo, but just like this is it. Like it's open world. You are free to do whatever you want. Not like Grand Theft Auto because Grand Theft Auto is just like working for the mafia, killing who was and saying, Hey, don't come and give me a sandwich. Okay. But like that's, that's all Grand Theft Auto is. And I'm like, okay, I don't really need constant violence, but it's like, now we're getting to this time with video games where
5: truly open world.
6: It's a truly open world and NPCs. Right. You start to feel for NPCs in like certain scenarios. Like even in the one call of duty mission, I forget what it's called, but it's like Modern Warfare two or three. It's it's fucking brutal. I think we all know what like what I'm getting the at. Russian. It is brutal as shit, and you're like, I'm not doing this the shit. Like fuck this yeah. with and, the machine guns
3: that kill people.
6: Yeah, well, yeah. like yeah. that is the one of the most like pushing the envelope video game experiences I have ever yeah. experienced. You're
5: talking about the airport, the airport mm-hmm. level. Yep, yep. with
3: get out of the elevator.
5: Yep. No Russian. Yeah. yeah. Like
3: I don't yeah. play Call of Duty, but I know that scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think everyone knows it. It it's went an viral. Incredibly
5: controversial scene. Yeah. Yeah.
6: yeah. I mean, I found myself shooting the ceiling the entire time because I was like, I'm not doing this, man. This is this is fucked up. But um yeah, like this new Matrix video game, it gets into the um this possibility of our computing power is getting to the point where we can ourselves yeah. create this matrix like environment. And have AI begin to feel and have their own emotions. Mm -hmm. Like the movie Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. Just like Free Guy, just like that. And then that gets to the point where uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I mean, not to tangent off into like, are we in a simulation? But he's like, what if you have this like um, population zero, basically, that advances their technology and they create computing power to create this matrix-like environment And then that matrix environment creates their own and then so on and so on and so on. Then you have billions or infinite matrixes within each other. Hmm. The chances of throwing a dart at all of them all at once and hitting the one that's actual real life is close to zero. And you're
3: only hitting different simulations. Right. So let me wrap up my question i don't think there is going to be ma- any more matrix movies because like this one bombs so hard lana wachowski is not interested in it anymore they're probably going to reboot it in 5 years and it's going to bomb and then that's going to be like that's it we're we're done with the matrix do we think that lana
6: did this to basically say Hey, the Matrix is going nowhere after after this. Conspiracy theory. Right? <laughs> Conspiracy theory. <laughs> theory. Yeah, yeah. Hot Could take. Be. Could be. I mean,
5: be. I mean, uh, uh, that would she's... be that would be pretty big brain. <laughs> <laughs>
7: no, she's been pretty clear about her motivations behind returning back to the franchise. So I think it's pretty cut and clear that we probably won't see much involvement of Lana uh, on future installments. And even if she does it, again it'll probably be like of an advising capacity.
3: Yeah. Right. So speaking of conspiracy theories, let's get into simulation theory.
5: Uh, before we get into that, yes.
2: I
3: will
5: say, since we saw talked about when we were like, this movie's garbage mm-hmm. moments like that, I will say the one moment, the one saving grace, of the movie where I was like, why couldn't the rest of the movie have been like this is the time stop section where Neo is trying to save Trinity. Oh, if
2: right.
5: the entire movie had been that 10 minute segment, It would have been a good movie. That's the sad part. I saw what the movie could have been. If it had that kind of tension, that kind of acting, that kind of dialogue, that kind of Mm buildup, it could have been a good movie. Neil
7: Patrick Harris is just. Yes, because Neil
5: Patrick, he's
3: amazing. He's an amazing actor. Like, I mean, like, we've been expressing this for like a good long while. Like, there's so many things where it's like, well, if you expanded on that, it could have been a great movie. Could have expanded on that, it could have been a great movie. That's one of those moments where it's like, Oh, that could have like, been a great movie. That
5: 10 minutes was just so good mm-hmm. that when it ended, I'm like, well, it, it was the equivalent of being in a swamp for an entire hour. And you find a hill. You just see above the swamp and these beautiful clouds and vistas. But then you go right back down to the swamp. And it's like, well, this is my life now.
3: Exactly. exactly.
5: So
6: speaking of what ifs, what if Santi became the next
4: Oracle? That would have been sick i thought that's literally the way they presented oh shit Wasati, and i was right. like oh she could she's right. the York. She, no i'm just here that's how it was just teased. There. yeah just just even
6: even the glasses that she had on teased that um, and i'm
3: just like come on bro
7: Shit, damn i saw her
3: i was like that's next jonas's girlfriend
7: <laughs> or fiance
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so like if the government came out and said we are living in a simulation how would the public react and also are we living in a simulation? Speaking of the matrix, I'll start with you, Diego.
4: Um, So I guess I would honestly, I simulation theory is not something that I feel like I really think about a lot. So I think I'd like to hear other people. I only say I don't think about it a lot because it's, it's like, what if we're in a simulation and Mm -hmm. I really don't mean to to deflate your, your, it sounds like you're saying that we're
3: not in a simulation. No, I don't think we're in a simulation.
4: I, I, uh, I mean, but what, like, what does so simulation as in my actual body is actually being used, or like when I, you know, am I gonna just gonna wake up in a different life? Is that what a simulation like me? No, it's
6: like what if we are NPCs and we're just continually evolving <clears throat> through AI, like rogue AI. Mm.
5: What if we're not real? Like here's like
6: here's the thing. What if what if like the major figures in society, like we have like Elon Musk, Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, Jeff Bezos, whoever. The one of the like tangents off of simulation theory is you have these public figures that are, if we are in a simulation, which this is so like way the fuck tinfoil hat up there, it is. Are these people actually exterior people plugging in to experience our simulation, and they have all these different like admin right abilities? Mm-hmm. DLC, right? Pass. D- DLC. I mean, but by the by the go to space right. DLC, right. Bezos, Branson, Musk, right? Yeah. What if these are like the Nick Murks and whoever else joining in? Because we don't hear from them all the time, right? Mm -hmm. We hear from them
3: here and there, whatever. They live
5: private lives.
3: They're on the private server. They're on the private server. server This is the free trial server.
5: We we
4: have to share our desk in the mail.
3: Right. Yes. AOL 7
4: So uh, the funny thing. Okay. So I guess like to now that I have a, a, a better grasp of it, the concept, right? I would say like. I reject that. I would, I'd only say I reject that because I think if anything that I got from the first matrix movie is that in a weird way, we're all technically the one you're the one within your own universe. Mm-hmm. You're the one within like your own everything. So it's for me, when I say I reject the idea of the simulation because like, yes, I you like, yeah, I work my nine to five, like every single day. But at the end of the day, I myself, I know I am interested in self-improvement and that's through like college working out whatever. So grinding. Yeah. Grinding, whatever. The hustle. Sure. So uh, for me, I guess I just kind of see it as, um, as a boost of confidence to continue to just kind of be yourself because even if it is a simulation, it's like, this is what I'm working with at the moment. This is what you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is what I got. I I feel like if I think about it too much, it's going to make me feel like, uh, you need more loot. And to be honest, you are distracting me. <laughs> and I would say to be honest for me, it just kind of feels like I wouldn't I don't I I don't want you know, I don't want to think about like what if those people were admins. mean, you know what? Mm-hmm. Fuck them. Yeah, Man, totally like fine. I'm just gonna do I'm gonna do my own thing.
6: Yeah. So going back to this whole like every single person has what it takes to be the one inside them, that's totally true. Right? I I'm by that. Um, but to put that on something that's current state right now, it's MLK weekend, right? So this weekend, um, the NBA put out a commercial a few days ago and seeing that I watch a lot of basketball, I see this ad all the time and it's Dwayne Wade talking about like Martin Luther King jr. And like how all his followers and everyone around the world sees all this power in him and how he, and like how he shaped the world and civil rights and everything else. And at the very end, he's like, now imagine that power in you. And it just like strikes chords, man. Mm -hmm. It's just like, hell yeah, I can change the world. Kevin can change the world. Everyone can change the world Mm -hmm. if they so desire.
7: Mm -hmm. Mm. Warner brothers. If you're listening, I can make a good matrix movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but uh, whenever this discussion comes up, I, I always ask back for clarification here because the original concept of this theory of, oh, do you live in a simulation or not, um, doesn't necessarily mean like us physically in a computer. They're talking about your perception of, of the reality and the plane of existence that you experience and and perceive and live in. So do I think we're in a computer Probably the fuck not. Uh, Honestly, I don't think so. Um, I'm not uh, an astrophysicist. I'm not – I don't have a PhD in anything, but I don't know. That's that's just me speaking from a gut, (laughs) the human (laughs) side of me here. Do I believe that our plane of existence is like the prime one or is the soul one? God, no. I mean Mm. like whenever I think of astrology, one of the big questions that always keeps me up at night is what is space? Like what is it expanding into? So yeah, there are so many things beyond our conceptions right now that we can't fathom, that our brains probably can't perceive. Mm-hmm. Things we can't see, like UV light, for example, is, is a very basic thing that you could point out. Like obviously there are greater forces at work in that realm of space, but do I think we're in a computer? No. This we're not I'm not on a Facebook server. I will <laughs> affirm that myself <laughs> right now. Yeah. At least until I sign up for the metaverse.
3: You're on a Twitter server. He's <laughs> on gutter. <laughs> all right, Josh. Do you think we're living in a simulation?
5: Uh, no, but I also think that if we were, it still wouldn't matter all the same. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, the existential position, which big fan of existential philosophy, by the way, mm-hmm. is if you take the absurdist position, is regardless of simulation, real life, dream of a god that as soon as they wake up, we all disappear. Mm-hmm doesn't matter Mm. at the end of the day you're a single squishy human you're gonna die everybody else will be dead and by the time the universe has a equatable blank in its existence thousands of more generations before and ahead of you will have died billions billions yeah we are so insignificant that because of that simulation or not it doesn't change anything that you should live your life to the fullest pursue your own happiness be a little hedonistic so to me it's a no from a realistic standpoint, but also from a essential standpoint, I don't care either way. Your,
7: <laughs> your original live. question was if the government told the people this right? oh, oh, yeah. yeah you're Because yeah. right, I was going to say okay, my, yeah. my, my answer in that case, it would probably be like t- yeah. tit for tat the lost plot lo- of don't, don't look up. People would just be like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's
5: bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> lost lost, the, uh, lost the, the trail there for a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. I,
7: Me personally, yeah. i I would probably freak the fuck out. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing.
6: Like, if if they came out and they said that, I would honestly be like, okay, how can I learn kung fu in two seconds? Like, ten
7: hours. Tell me how
6: I can download all the knowledge I want within minutes. Oh, that'll be a DLC of eighty five, ninety five, and yeah. Please play Uh, it's Halo as well.
3: It's like, what if the government came out and said, like, okay, I know that we all think this is the year twenty twenty two, but it's actually the year five billion. We're in a Dyson sphere orbiting a white dwarf star, and we're all in a simulation that's meant to look like 1996.
4: A Dyson sphere is supposed to be a giant mechanical thing that literally encapsulates a star, right? Yes. Yeah, that shit's impossible. But whatever. (laughs) 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 I I mean,
5: on the topic, though, of that question in particular, my answer would still be the same. It doesn't matter. Do you have new information for me? No, nothing changes. No, I but still the
7: government's giving you I, proof this time around.
5: I still, I still have to, I still have to work my nine to five. I still have to exist within the rules of the simulation. I don't mm-hmm. have a physical body because now you're telling me a brain in a jar or a consciousness yeah. in a jar. Mm. What benefits does this have to me? What does it change? I'm still here. I'm still going to live life. Okay, great. Are you going to play the simulation? Okay, cool. When? You're not going to tell me? All right, well, no different than the meteor hitting Earth theory. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It could happen at any moment. Or I could get hit by a bus. It literally doesn't change anything. So to me, same answer. Like, I wouldn't really panic. It would just be like, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. Maybe they have a motive. doesn't change anything, for me at least. Other people, though, they might panic, which... That I would be more worried about because at that point, don't mess up my simulation just because you're (laughs) upset with yours.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with you, Josh. Okay. So final question. Do you consider the matrix a good film franchise? Pete, I'll start with you.
6: Yes. I think that it brought a whole bunch of new concepts, views, archetypes to cinema. Um, it, it, it really was a game changer. So in, you know, all these different ways that we've been going around and around with like the matrix has changed all forms of pop culture, media. Yes, it's, it's something that's more positive than negative. Um, even with this fourth installment, I'm still a hardcore fan. I still love the Merovingian. He's my guy. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'll always find myself going back to it um, just because it's something that I experienced at a very young age. I mean, series wise, franchise wise, same with the Fast and Furious, the same with Saw. Like I will always have a soft spot in my heart for those franchises and I'll find myself rewatching them over and over and over again. So yeah, I'm
3: all for it. Nice. Josh, how about you?
5: yeah i'm a huge fan of the matrix as a series definitely or franchise definitely love it, it has a special place in my heart for my childhood you know to pete's point it's a mm-hmm. cultural icon yeah. it's got a lot of significance to it um i'm sure in library of congress there's probably the original you know vhs release of the matrix 1999 floating <laughs> around in their archives somewhere like it's culturally significant absolutely mm-hmm. so yeah good sir good franchise um You know, I'm just gonna do what I did with the Last Jedi and pretend that the fourth movie just didn't happen. (laughs) Just pretend it didn't release. It didn't exist, and hold in my mind forever that one, two, three are the only
4: ones. Yeah.
3: How about you, (laughs) Dean? Um,
4: uh, I would say I'd say it's not my favorite series. I'd say I really liked the first one. I really liked the first one. Kind of the same reason why I really liked the original Halloween. You know, like the original Halloween had awesome like cinematography Mm -hmm. and it was just like it just set a standard and it just kind of felt like the subsequent subsequent ones were definitely you know uh world building off of the first one but yeah i'd say uh i'd say yes um i would say the first one is definitely like awesome it was really good and that's probably my favorite one so
3: you know what i'm gonna get off the fence right now and say like i agree with you I think the first movie is culturally significant, amazing in all regards, revolutionary. The rest of the films, in my opinion, are not good. And if 25% of the franchise is good and the rest is not good, I don't think it's a good franchise. (laughs) You lost Star
7: Wars probably. I like Star Wars. Star Wars maybe only has like three good films.
4: I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Like Star Wars did fall off really hard for me. I haven't seen the book of Boba Fett yet. Is it?
7: I'm just talking from the movies,
4: not even
3: their shows. It's It's talking about movies. Mandalorian is so much better.
4: My biggest fear about watching Boba Fett is the same fear of like when we watch like the subsequent, like, uh, Matrix. Matrix movies, <laughs> Fuck. you know, is you know, is nostalgia syndrome. Just right. trying to do too much with um retaining and and right. getting.
2: Oh, I know what.
4: That is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> right. But why 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 isn't the Matrix
7: afforded um the same leeway that like Daniel Craig's James Bond run has been? It's about hmm. the same amount of films, right? But very hit and miss. They got a hit. They got a disaster. They got a lukewarm, lukewarm film. They got another disaster.
5: Because James, I think they're
7: like at a 50% hit right there with, with James Bond.
5: But that's because James Bond as a brand, not Daniel Craig's James Bond, but James Bond has had a tenuous run as a franchise. Mm-hmm. They've had historically shit films and they have had historically amazing films. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's. On Her Majesty's Secret Service is like known as the worst Bond film, period. I love
7: George Lazenby, so <laughs> no,
5: nobody really mentions it when they're talking, you know, really memorable Bond films. Yeah, it's it's known as a bad film, but again, that doesn't get held against Daniel Craig, doesn't get held against Pierce Brosnan. So that's why the Matrix is held in the same way is because. Bond has this massive legacy stretching back to the nineteen sixties mm-hmm. and before then, if you count the books. Mm-hmm. So with Matrix, Matrix only has nineteen ninety nine mm-hmm. onward three films and now this horrible fourth film. Yeah.
3: Cool.
7: If if Bond and and Star Wars can come back from truly devastating like installments of their series, I think that we will see the Matrix it, in the near future. It's not
5: the same longevity though. I don't think.
7: Maybe not the same longevity. Maybe not like ten years from now, fifteen years from now, but. Within the Star next Trek. five years, we'll see something. Star
5: Trek's another good example. Yeah. Star Trek, you can't compare Matrix to Star Trek. Star Trek, 1960s, million different directors have worked with that. Yeah, because I
7: hear Picard's pretty lukewarm right now and Discovery's
3: kind of Yeah, I've trash. heard it's been
5: pretty bad too. <laughs> yeah.
3: All right, Kevin, get off the fence. But hold on, hold on. Even no, 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 no. Kevin, get off the fence. Yeah. <laughs> is The Matrix a good film franchise?
7: It is. It is in its core, it's got more wins than losses. Uh, Going for it from a cultural standpoint it's very significant I do think that now that the filmmakers are more vocal about what they were trying to relate to the film viewers is more important than ever especially when it comes to people who are struggling with their gender or physical identity I think that holds a lot of prevalence and just the fact that there's not a lot of films out there talking about that kind of issue so kudos to them and I do think even with the fourth installment really mucking things up and you know someone who's giving a lot of leeway i didn't like the, the fourth film it's yeah. still in the big picture a, a phenomenal film fan tries that we will see another installment from for sure
3: awesome now pete do you have any last words before we end the show
6: do i have any last hot takes <laughs> no i'm good
3: okay i, I have a uh,
4: the
0: fourth is the best <laughs> 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 that is a hot take i have
4: a a quick kind of um uh, thing, cause I know we were talk. um, just one last point about like kind of how this movie reflects the trans community and those who are understanding their own identity is that just a little, what's that called? Fun fact. <laughs> In the first movie, um, there is a point or even without the, throughout the whole series, Agent Smith is the only person to call, uh, Neo by Mr. Anderson. Mm-hmm. And as everybody else sees, neo as this new person i uh touched on the topic of um their new name versus dead name yes it's that agent smith keeps holding on to
3: that dead name of neos that mr anderson yeah yeah well they call him thomas in the other films they don't call him thomas Mm. so it's if you're gonna go with the the story of like transitioning it's like he's no longer mr anderson he's thomas anderson
2: Mm.
3: so yeah very interesting mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. okay let's wrap this shit up but that's it for this time on syndicate we hope you enjoyed yourself we've been talking about the matrix please check it out where it is available and before we go thank you for everyone for coming on to the show thank you everybody Ooh, thank thanks you, you. thanks for having fun. me thank you yes but if you would like to keep this conversation going please add us on your favorite social media platform at syndicate that is syndicate on instagram twitter and letterboxd have discord feel free to join the growing film committee there At syndicate.com forward slash discord, where you can catch myself and other podcasters and listeners talking about this film and others. But if we miss anything during this conversation, please send us a message at info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye.